What you're about to hear is a discussion about personal experience with cancer. We're not medical professionals, and at no point are we making recommendations for diagnosis, treatment, nor care. All opinions are highly personal as each individual experiences mental and physical side effects of cancer and cancer treatments differently. We're only here to listen, discuss, and break the social taboo of cancer. Okay, we are back. And Avery's back, actually. He's joining us on this one. Hello, Avery. Hello, Eva. Hi. Hi. We're also here with Mel. Again, our last conversation was also with Amel uh, and Brandon. <laughs> and me. Oh, yes. De- Don't forget. Des is also here. I didn't forget. You were just in <laughs> Well, I'm always <laughs> here, so. <laughs> Sorry, Des is also here, first and foremost. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. We like to jump right in. And uh, Brandon, you let us know at 22, you were diagnosed. So we just want to know a little bit more about what that process was like, mm-hmm. starting specifically with what were some of the first things that you noticed that made you think that maybe something was off? Yeah. So in my case, uh, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. So it's pretty easy to notice something was off. Oh, yeah. Um, it's kind of just started out transparently. Uh, obviously, testicular cancer has to do with my testicles. Um I personally just thought I had um, some had some, too much fun in the bedroom, mm-hmm. so I thought I kind of hurt myself, and so I kind of left it for about like uh, two weeks, th- two to three weeks, um, and then it, it the swelling never went away, um, and it was just in one side, which is obviously kind of abnormal, um, and so I went to the doctor. Um, initially, I didn't go to my my family doctor. I happened to go to one that was just like a clinic, and I was going back and forth. Um, maybe three or four times um, until eventually, which I don't think a clinic doctor is supposed to tell you this, but he said, oh yeah, it looks like it could be cancer. Oh. It's like, oh, okay. I don't, it, it, it's odd because like they shouldn't be telling you that because they don't actually know. They haven't actually done the test. They like even just using like certain words, like there's a difference between saying, oh, you might have cancer versus, oh, this could be cancerous or like this could be that or this number of things. Yeah. And then I actually like went back and forth for like, after that initial three weeks and going, I went back and forth for about a month uh, when I actually got, I guess, referenced to um, an actual um, doctor They actually referenced me to, I don't know the exact term, but the, the women's doctor. So when I went, they actually had to send me back which sent me back like another two weeks. Oh, they like accidentally booked the wrong type the, of the, doctor. The wrong type of doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the, the, the same sort of, I guess, cancer researching doctor. I don't know what the right term is, but just for women specifically. Um, and then eventually when I got to, um, I guess the, the men's doctor, it was at Sunnybrook. And this was like two or three months in of me having like this idea of like, basically just like the size of an acorn on one side, if you can hold that an mental acorn? image. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, just on one side. So it was like to the point where like I couldn't, like, like I couldn't wear denim or anything that was like restricting. I only wore sweatpants and like big cargo pants, which luckily that was in style. So it was cool. Um, <laughs> I have a question. Did yeah. it grow really fast or was it just that you were kind of ignoring it until it got to a certain size? Cause that seems like a really large uh, size. No, no, it grew, it grew pretty quickly like oh, yeah? within like two months. So yeah. And it kept growing. It didn't stop. So was the first symptom that you had swelling that you noticed, like, or was it pain? Like, what, what sort of uh, tipped you off? So, like, it was it was just like red. The reason why you see like in movies and stuff, like where 
people like they're like oh my god i have cancer it's such a shock it's because there's no symptoms like when you have a tumor it's not like oh i have a cold or oh this part of me hurts like the only reason i noticed is because and the only reason it was like in a sense swelling and hurt is because of the weight of it because of obviously where it is there's nothing to like hold it up it's not like it's like in my arm or something like that right yeah it's like weighing it down right yeah so like the the fact that it was like so weighted was was the pain so it wasn't like a it wasn't like someone like pinching you it's like a it's like a throbbing almost like pulsating yeah. uh pain um so that's that's kind of what i noticed like I, i'm pretty like I, I guess i would say secure with my body so i'm like open like i'm if something's wrong i'm like yeah hey, i'm going to the doctor i'm not like um this like guy who's like too manly to go to the doctor i'm sick i'm not gonna take meds like no no no. like give me all the meds like i want to feel better (laughs) you know um but yeah like basically um after like yeah like a couple months of going back and forth and it like yeah getting to to that point um i went into uh like sunnybrook and i was there basically the whole day hospital system sucks um <laughs> i don't know how i'm there for like an eight hour day just in the hospital and i'm like you know like texting my mom oh yeah i'll be home like by this time and blah blah, blah. and then and then it gets to like maybe like uh like three or four in the afternoon i don't even remember the time it was kind of hazy um and then so i finally see the doctor um and he looks at it and like i could tell like right away he's like kind of like what the? like i was like what the fuck he was like you could see in his face he's yeah. kind of like oh shit like shit <laughs> like this and then he kind of went away did his thing and kind of looked at what was inside and again he used that that same term i'm saying he was like he was like oh like it looks like it could be like a cancerous tumor like he basically said, like you can't leave mm-hmm. so like that same day i went into hospital i thought i was just gonna go home or whatever was happening with me he's like yo like you can't leave like you have to do a surgery like within the next couple of days oh, so wow. i had to like yeah. tell my mom to like come down and like a couple hours, like because my mom doesn't have a car, so she had to come. And I lived in Scarborough at the time, so I had to come down to to like Sunnybrook. Um, Which, for context, Sunnybrook is downtown Toronto. Yeah. And Scarborough is about like a 30, 40 minute drive, depending on traffic. Yeah. Well, I don't have to take transit. Mom doesn't have a car. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was like an hour and a half. Right. Um, so, like, an hour and a half of like my mind boggling. Obviously, like, I can't, like, I'm like there by myself and almost like because the f- first clinic kind of told me already oh like you might have cancer i was kind of already prepared for it um but then like when they actually you know when they actually take you in the like the white room and they sit you down and they're like well like this is the situation and you're like oh shit but then they say oh you know but it, it might not be it might be this but like we still have to again like explicitly we still have to cut your balls off basically mm-hmm. and you're, um, you're alone yeah and i'm and i'm alone mm-hmm. at this point and then um then he has to like re-say it like when my mom gets there mm-hmm. uh because even though i'm like of age it's still like my mom and like she obviously wants to know and it's the only like at that point it's like, okay you're gonna need some sort of caregiver and this is your kid this is who you live with so so that's what it was at the time and then it was just like um yeah so when you um, get into the hospital yeah go ahead yeah. i just have one question about yeah. that day so before you saw the doctor were you just waiting that whole yeah, time or for like eight you- hours wow so there wasn't tests during that time or anything it no. was just sitting there waiting and just thinking like they're just sitting there waiting oh. thinking you get into room it's like 10 minutes of him putting some sort of gel on your testicles that already fucking hurt <laughs> um and then like him going away for like 20 minutes coming back and like yep you have cancer so did they scan did they scan you with the gel yeah yeah so you got like an ultrasound yeah 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 exactly um and then and they knew knew right away imagine yeah like like he he basically said like looking at you i already knew 
but like I had, like, I can't say that I have to make sure like it's okay. And even then he still can't say it because he's like, I have to take the tumor out to know if it's cancerous. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same so, thing, yeah. She had the same, same experience with, yeah. yeah. which is such a we- like for you to, I mean, it's just so interesting to hear because when, when Desiree had her experience, it was yeah. so long, Yeah, like it was so long until they could confirm it. And even when they could confirm it, they weren't a hundred percent sure on like what stage it was at, even yeah. like with the location of it, like how the treatment was going to look. Yeah. But with you, it was like eight hours, like yeah. just instantly taken care of, but yeah. that's so much faster. And one mm-hmm. ultrasound, which seems like such a non-conclusive test to be like so, yeah, so i i, I well, did ultrasounds before but yeah. like not with like a, a specialist like a doctor that like that that was mm-hmm. like his thing so from so you did the ultrasound did you ha- did they do any other testing before surgery or was it just ultrasound and then you did surgery um ultrasound and then yeah basically just did surgery they just kind of because they they they'd already there's already a bunch of ultrasounds and i guess other things before that um but yeah basically like like i said like he just looked at he already knew what it was as soon as he looked at it like i guess because it's in such a i guess obvious place like you see it. it's not like it's like inside my body and it's growing and like no matter how big or small it is like mm-hmm. like you can't really see it like you could literally see it like from all it is is like a thin layer of skin that's there right so you can literally see it growing um and then once i explained it and he saw my past ultrasounds like they they already knew there was no point and he's like yeah like we can see from the inside that basically the testicle it's already dead like there was no like i guess blood flow in it um and it it had been dead for however long so like even at that point it's kind of like okay like in my head i was kind of like okay if they caught it sooner would there be something where they could like move around it sort of and like just cut it off and like i still have it but it doesn't really make sense to think like that because what's done is kind of done already like i know but you you think about that gap yeah yeah i think about all the time like yeah i mean same here like we we had covid yeah that she was dealing with and yeah there was huge delays yeah and like one of the things i was just like super paranoid about was that it was growing in that time yeah, yeah. like it mm-hmm. was gonna like because at that point for her there was like margins with yeah. the tumor yeah and so my thought was like well the longer we wait like the bigger it gets the larger the margins are the more the breasts they take like yeah. you just start spiraling yeah, but yeah. you're right though like it's yeah. done yeah you, you you can't help but do it but like I still think it, I think it's a rational thought though. Like, like why wouldn't you want to be, you know, um, in less pain and have less cancer, like however you want to think about it. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's odd to think about. I try not to think about it too much because I don't want to like kind of take myself back there in that like mind state because like, again, like what's done is done. We're kind of, we're, 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 where we're at now. We're not where we were. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I just move move past that point. Um, Did they give you yeah. a sense of when your cancer started? Did they give you a sense of that before um, the surgery? No, not they not didn't really. know. Yeah, no, because they they had to cut it out because it was a thing where regardless of whether it had spread or not, like I had to get it. Like they had to cut it out because it was just growing. It was going to be uncut. Like it, it it was just really uncomfortable. Like I couldn't function. Like it was taking away from like my life basically. Um, but even then, like when you go into it, when you go into uh, emergency surgery, there are levels of emergency surgery. There's like, I don't even, I don't remember what the ranking is, but like, let's say it's like A, B, and C. And depending on your ranking, if you're like an A, it's like, yo, like same day in the next four hours, like as soon as the doctor's ready, like you're getting cut open. If you're B, it's like, okay, like 
as long as there's no A's, then you're good. If as long, and then if you're C, as long as there's no B's, then you're good. And so, like my sur- emergency surgery that was supposed to be the same day didn't happen until two days later. Mm. Yeah, and you're just like in a bed, like waiting. And then they're like, "Oh yeah, like if a doctor is ready by like 8 p.m. tonight, then you'll go in." And so the, for two days, I'm waiting until 8 p.m. at to, the hospital. At the hospital. Oh my yeah. god! Oh my. Just like That's in a bed, you're just like waiting. You're like, okay, like. Like once it hits, if it hits 8 p.m., then you're not getting a surgery till the next day. And then you got to wait from like eight. It's basically from eight to eight. Did they give you a room? Did you have a room during this time where you could just like be in your. No, I had a room. So for our context, was this prior to COVID or was this during COVID? Yeah, prior to COVID. Prior to COVID. COVID, Yeah, because now you're how old? I'm 26. Okay, cool. So it's been like a few years now. Yeah. Okay. Was Was your mom with you? When you were waiting, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, so you weren't alone. Yeah, I I wasn't alone uh, physically. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) mentally. Well, I would like to know, I guess, like how did you deal mentally with that weight? Because that's like a hard. I I think if I was, I think if I was physically alone, I would have felt it more. But because, like, I kind of saw my mom feeling it, like. It kind of it took it took the weight off of me, and I was like, "Nah, like I gotta make sure my mom's okay." Even though like it's happening to me, it's not. It's almost not affecting me as much as it's affecting her. Um, and that might just just be my my mentality, like just just the way that I think about myself, and like uh, just like because me and my mom are so close. Like I'm the only child. It's just me and my mom. Like I was like my best friend. So it's like to see my mom hurting, even though like I'm the one physically in pain. Like, I'm sure, like, Avery, you can probably test this. Or I guess rather you can, like, seeing Avery, like, just, like, feeling like it's, like, this daunting thing that's happening to you. And you're, like, it's almost affecting him almost not necessarily more than you, but just in a different way. Yeah. So even though he's caring for you, you kind of have to care for him in a different way. Exactly. I always thought about it like it's happening to both of us. Yeah. Just in different ways. Yeah. Because if the worst case scenario happens and like I die, he's the one that has to pick up the pieces and go on. So in a way that's worse, you know? So yeah, it's, it's definitely very heavy and you, for me at least, I felt like I was like inflicting pain on people that I love, even though it's out of your control. Right. Yeah. So even the idea of like, like I'm sitting there, I'm like, how am I going to tell people I have cancer or like, do I tell people, do, is that something you tell people like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, like, I just want to let you know, because I care about you, I'm, I might die. That's a really good point like, though, because I feel like, like I didn't know, like, yeah, who do you tell? Like who, what level of closeness, Yeah, you know, where's the line that I cut off of like, Oh no, you're an acquaintance. So I like, don't tell you, but yeah. who do I reach out to and like tell, because you should know. Yeah. It's kind of like a weird mental thing that you have to like, go through. It's like a wedding invite. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually that's a good, that's that's a really the worst way to put it. Yeah. The worst wedding invite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but that's that that that's exactly what like it kind of it kind of was at, at that point. But even at that point, like because they weren't necessarily saying, "Oh, you have cancer." Like that that's what it was. Like in my head, I'm like, "Okay, maybe I maybe I don't. Maybe they're gonna take it out, and it's gonna be like, uh, I don't know. God knows what benign. whatever. Yeah. Some benign thing or so, something that's just not cancer." Um, but like, again, he said, when he said, oh, it's a cancerous tumor, but it still might not be cancerous. Like, okay, man. Okay. <laughs> no, but they, they <laughs> that say was, that. That was like exactly my experience. Too. Yeah. It was literally like, oh, it's pre-cancerous calcifications. I'm literally like, I don't know what any of this yeah, shit pre-can- means. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have this, like, I, I used to call it like, it's like a bomb yeah. that you're like carrying with you all of a sudden. And no matter who you tell, you're sort of like dropping it on them. Yeah. You know, like 
not just because of the like what the information is, but just how they have to then react with you. Yeah. Like how comfortable they are to like be there for you or like you you know, you kind of see it throughout your friends and your family. Yeah. Just like how each per each person in your life can sort of deal with that. Yeah. I think it's really interesting though that you were the strong one for your yeah. mom. Cause yeah. like I kind of felt like I was the strong one in the beginning. Yeah. Like I had like I had like I had to be, yeah. you know? Yeah. And like I think that no matter what your like caregiver relationship is, like someone has to keep that burden or hold that strength, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I get that. Even like um, during the whole process, I'm trying to remember. I don't think my mom cried in front of me ever. Like, like there'd be times where like I'm in the room and like, because I'm in the bed, like I can't move. Um, and I like hear my mom crying and my mom would come in the room and there's nothing. Just because that's, that's the type of person that she is. So, like, when I would hear those things or, like, you know, my family would talk about it or, like, um, just, like, my friends would, like, be like, oh, yo, you know, like, oh, like, hey, what's up? How's it going? Da, da, da. And be like, oh, yeah, I talked to your mom. She's doing okay. Like, don't worry about it. Da, da, da. Like, it's kind of like, okay, like, true. Like, okay, like, that's all I'm thinking about at that point because I don't know. I, I, I couldn't even, I can't even say why I thought about that. I didn't put my myself first and my own well-being, but I just knew, like, Something in me just told me, okay, like she's going to need more than what I'm going to need. Like during this whole process or whatever this process, again, at that time, I didn't know what the process was going to be, but during however long this is going to be, she's going to need more than I am because like I'm, uh, I guess I'm more emotionally sound. I, I know than than my mom was at least at that time. Mm -hmm. um, is that why you said you felt like you were physically not alone but what was like the heavy butt? Yeah. Um, yeah. Physically not alone as in like my mom's in the room with me or she's outside in like the, the like hallway part of the hospital. Um, but like mentally I knew how I say this. My mom's not a hugger. Let's say that <laughs> she's not a type of person that like shows her love, like physically and like, Oh, I love you. And Oh, kiss goodnight. And da, da, da. she doesn't do that sort of stuff. She does a, a, a plethora of other things, um, but just not that. And like she, during the whole process, she didn't really know how to um, deal with it. Like she couldn't even like look at me. Like it was just like really hard. Like, because, because she wasn't, the type of person who wanted to cry in front of people or show emotion in front of people. So there's times she literally couldn't look at me. Like you'd be in the bed. She's like, you know, sitting by a bedside and she's just like, like this, like talking to me like this. Like when I say like this, I'll, I guess people can't see what I'm doing. <laughs> just like not looking at me, kind of like looking aside as she's um, like having like a full conversation with me, depending on like, like if I had like the things, I don't even know what they're called, the things in your nostrils like that, like she wouldn't look at me. But if I was just like there, like, Oh, you, you know, have, like, you have to have an oxygen tube. Uh, at a point, yeah, at a point. Um, just because, like, I don't really breathe properly when I sleep. It was, what is it called? Uh, sleep the, the, apnea. Yeah, yeah. I found mm -hmm. out I had that because when I, after one of one of the things that I did, like the thing that checks like your heart rate. So every time, like, I, I, my mind would just, I guess, like, stop breathing, and it would just go off. Like every ten <laughs> yeah. minutes, it would go off, and you're like, kind of like, what, like, what's wrong? And then my doctor had to come and like just ask me, it's like, oh, like, are you sleeping okay? Like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, like, I think I'm fine. And then he just had to like sit there and wait for me to sleep. Like my doctor's just like chilling beside me, just waiting for me to fall asleep. 
And then he's just like, oh yeah, you probably have like sleep apnea, but like, obviously we're not going to deal with that now. It's, yeah. not, it's not the worst of your situation. Well, yeah, there's a little silver lining though. You're, you're having better sleeps now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but, um, did you yeah. have anybody else? I guess there's a little bit of a chronology here. So you were waiting until you had your surgery to communicate to your friends. Um, so I actually didn't communicate to my friends initially. So like when I actually got and did the surgery, um, when I woke up, it was just like my mom and actually like when they're like rolling me back into the room, my, one of my friends was actually like walking in the hallway, like coming to see me. So he was like the first person I saw and he just like looked back at me and I I just like started laughing (laughs) and I was like, Oh shit, like what's up bro. And And he just like looks at me and he's just like, he doesn't He's like, he doesn't know what to say. Yeah. Cause he's just kind of shook. Cause uh, I I guess if I were to guess how he was feeling, it's, it's like, it's like when you have a moment where let's see, say you saw something in a movie and it's like happening in real life, you know, kind of like, so, yeah. whoa, like, and it, there's no reaction. There's nothing to say. You're kind of just in awe, but almost in like in a negative way. Um, and so he just like walked beside, like walked beside me for a bit and he just kind of like stopped. And then I like kept going, and I don't know if that's because like he was feeling away about it at the time. And then when I they rolled me into my room, like uh, I have like a group of friends, like six guys who I like, grew up with, like from when I was like eight years old, and they were just like all in the room that I was like already there, and I was just there. I just started laughing, I'm like yo, what's up, guys? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, and then they got like super emotional and stuff, and they're just like quiet, like like just i guess for reference like i'm the smallest one of my friends like in age and like literally like in height um so even for them like i'm just like looking up at them and it's just, like big group of guys just like looking at me and they're just like staring like they're just staring and then there's like, a couple of them who again same sort of thing they just like couldn't look at me um so i guess again that, that that's to reiterate like why i felt like mentally i was like kind of alone because the, the attitude that i had towards it like um was very different than obviously how my friends and family uh, were reacting. So like a lot of them, like I, I didn't tell them, they just like kind of showed up. I don't know if it was my mom or someone, whoever, I'm sure like maybe I was talking to someone and said, yo, like this is the situation. I'm going to be in a hospital. Like if you don't see me, like this is why. Um, and maybe my mom told them or someone, someone probably saw my mom in my building and just like, was like, yo, like what's going on? And then it's just broken telephone after that point, everyone just like starts showing up and I'm just there, just like laughing, like making dark jokes and stuff, which I shouldn't make. And I'm just like, yo guys, I'm just one nutting it now. You know, <laughs> you have to, though. Yeah, you have to. Like, yeah. That, that, that's what got, got me through. Like, um, a lot of the like stares of people, like just looking at you or, <laughs> The, the the they grab your arm like oh, it's, it's good to see you. it's good to see you it's like it's good to see you too man like <laughs> and people you know? just get really awkward yeah yeah, yeah. And, and it happens to this day actually like people people like grab the side of your arm and they'll be like ah, it's good it's good to see you. your, your hair looks nice <laughs> you're still alive yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like yeah I'm yeah. still yeah. here the, the, it's always it's always the hair comment like, oh, like they look look on my hair they're like ah. Oh. Hair looks nice. I'm like, thanks, man. Like, I get it. I used to be, I was baller for like a second. Like, I get it, you know? It was a look, though. It was a look, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's, to answer your question, that's mm-hmm. that's why I felt um, mentally alone because I just wasn't on the same plane as everyone else. Like, when, when things hit me, I, I let it hit me when I was like alone, kind of. Um, and then when 
people were around, I tried to like cheer everyone else up because everyone mm-hmm. was so sad because like stuff was happening to me. But yeah. How were you feeling at that point? Like once you had the surgery, what where was your mind at? Um I I, I was I was in the the, the woe is me mm. stage, but no one knew that because of the dark jokes. I was just like um uh it just didn't feel real like like something that i always said to people and always played in my head i was like yo i've never like when you see the commercials about like cancer and donate to this and donate to that it's really old people or like really young people and like even just like okay those old and young people i'm like i've never even I'm not even seen like black people in this even that like seeing a black person in a cancer commercial i've never seen that like maybe there was that, but and maybe there is, and but I've just never put that together. And then the only person that I personally had experienced that had cancer in like my family or friends was like my grandfather, who was like already really old. And I kind of associated like I feel like when people get like to a certain age and their body just starts deteriorating, they just this the doctor says, "Oh, you have this, you have this, and you have this, and you have this. You're on your deathbed." Like, and it just seems like it happens because like when people talk, oh, my grandfather died, he had this, this, and this, my grandmother died, my, my, my great aunt died and she had, she ended up having this, this, and this when she died versus like, yeah, like I'm, I'm like, I'm 23 and I have cancer. And people are like, what? Like Mm -hmm. people who are 23 get cancer? Like what? Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like it's such a weird connection to make. I had like this really weird experience, Mm -hmm. I think probably the day after I found out where I like went to sleep and then woke up in the morning and like I thought that it was a dream it was like I was having like that cognitive dissonance where like you don't you don't accept it as like your story and that was like a huge thing I think you picture your life a certain way right and then this thing happens that you think could like never happen (laughs) and then you're in it and it's like really hard for your mind to accept yeah at first I I I think after going through a lot of the different things like i i still feel like that like i still feel like like there, there are things that have happened that like i don't remember like i had like a situation where there was someone um who i didn't really have the best relationship with like before um and then when i got sick they kind of reached out and kind of were like you know like oh i know we burnt this bridge but like i just want to make sure like you're good like because at a point you meant something you know um and then you know, post going through all that, I, I saw this person at an event and then like, I'm acting awkward because to me, we're not good. I, I didn't even remember this person had reached out to me because like, there's so much of like that cancer experience that I just like, just like blocked out. Like it's gone. Like uh, there's so many things that happened even just, just before and just after, like my cancer experience was maybe like a year and a half, two years. And I would say like, maybe three to four years of my life is just like hazy. Like it's just in and out. Like it just, it literally feels like a dream. Like it feels like it doesn't happen. The only thing that reminds me is like scars and stuff like that. And even then it's just like, is this is real. Like I'm like touching it. I'm like, this is still here. Like you wake up, you literally like yeah. you wake up, you're like, Oh, so it did happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. And then you kind of, you kind of like re, um, I don't want to say relive it, like re-experience it in your head. Like you kind of go over, okay, like, okay, yep, that did happen. Yep, that did happen. Yep, this did happen. Okay. And then you're kind of going through it until you, you make it back to where you're at right now in life. Um, yeah, the, like that experience that happens to me often. It still happens to me, I think. Yeah. 
Was it after the surgery where it did really actually become real? Like, did they have concrete understanding of what was going on after that point? Yeah. So, so like the going into it, they, they said like, you know, the hope is that if for any reason it is cancerous that like, you know, we caught it quick enough and, you know, like it's out of you. Like, obviously, unfortunately, like you're going to have one less testicle, but at least, you know, you don't have cancer. And then doctor comes in and it's like, well, like, unfortunately, like it's spread. So like at first so you're like, okay, yay, congratulations. You know, you don't have this cancerous tumor anymore. Boom, boom, boom. But you know, we, we just got, we just want to make sure. So we'll do those cat scan or whatever they do. Um, and then we just want to make sure. So, you know, they roll you down, you do it, you come back, you wait another day that you're in the hospital. And then they're like, yep. So sucks to suck. You still have cancer. And it's like, now it's here. And now like you kind of have to sit here and wait, think about it for a bit. And then we're going to come back and figure out what to do. Cause we don't know what to do yet either. And we have to like, you know, lay out your options and get all the, the forms for this thing and that thing. And, yeah, it was just like a whole a whole or, or, ordeal of um yeah, just yeah, they just basically said yeah, you have cancer, bro. Like <laughs> there's so, nothing you can do. So for context, like they took the one testicle out. Yeah, and then tested it. Uh-huh. Um, and it was like, yeah, like it's cancer or it was a tumor. Um but then had to say, okay, like we have to check if it spread because of like how bad it was because it's it's likely that it spread but we have to make sure we can't like tell you it spread and it hasn't so they checked and then it, and it did it spread to my abdomen um uh which uh, is the it, it's it's obviously it's, it's not a good thing but it's better than having being spread to like my lungs or somewhere that was like uh like i guess more fatal i guess yeah uh but yeah that, at that point it was just like in my abdomen and then kind of had to have like the talk of like it it, kind of like happened again like it was like okay cool like you have cancer it's it's in it's in your testicle we're gonna remove it this is the solution boom you know you're you're in your head you're like okay today it's gonna end i had to go through a surgery this is gonna be an experience i'll talk about i'll have to live my life xyz now but you know what like it's done and then they say nope you're not done yet You, you you still have cancer it's just here now they just moved it to to a yeah. different spot. Um, and how long was that period like that you had to, or that they had to determine after the surgery that you had, it had spread? Maybe like two days. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but cause you like, once you, once they say, okay, like we have to determine, then you have to wait your turn to go find out if you still have cancer, which is funny to think about now, obviously in the moment, you're not really laughing. No. (laughs) (laughs) When you think about now, you're like, you have to wait your turn to find out if you have cancer, like behind all the other people waiting to find out if they have cancer. And then there's people after you waiting to find out if they have cancer. Um, (laughs) It's funny to think about now. It is. You're just in this machine. Yeah. Yeah. But you, but you had your like CT scan after your biopsy, after the first biopsy. So they sort of could say, okay, it hasn't spread before the surgery. Like, and her surgery took like two to three months after the diagnosis. Um, But yeah, just thinking of that span of what you went through is unbelievably intense. Yeah. Yeah. That was like the, 
Like that was like all within like a week or two, like two weeks. And not to mention that you're like kind of in prison because you're like in the hospital the whole time. Yeah. 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 You're like hanging out with your friends in the waiting room and you're just like in a gown with your your butt cheeks out and you're just like chilling. (laughs) And you're just talking shit like like you normally would, but you can feel like the tension and it's not from you. It's from them. Um, Obviously, you know, rightfully so but um you're kind of like at that point like you'll just it's like when famous people complain about being famous like oh just treat me like a normal person and it's like that's kind of how you feel like you'll just like the more that you look at me that way the more that you like have like these silent pauses between things like doesn't make me feel any better like it makes me feel like worse but like obviously you can't help it just as much as I can't help feeling the way that that the way that I feel. No, well the same way that you're in a dream. Yeah. So are like the other people. Like yeah. or at least that's how I felt and I feel like maybe like your parents felt is like you're also waking up like is this happening to this person that I love so much like all of a sudden you're 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 running through all the scenarios too. Yeah. And I think it's just so hard for people to break that down while it's happening, you know? Cuz like everyone's going to make you feel that tension and that awkwardness because they just don't know what to say. And like, there's just so much uncertainty at that point. Yeah. Were you able to communicate at that time to your friends what that it was making you feel awkward or were you able to communicate anything about what you needed? Um, no, because I could like, I, I could have, but I didn't feel like I had to because I could also acknowledge that they were like trying. You know, like they're trying to like make me feel better and and tell jokes and actually like, you know, tr- like mildly trying to laugh at what I was what I was saying and like the jokes I was making and, um, yeah, they they were trying. I I think I think my my friends have in in their own personal lives have gone through a lot of things. So, you know, obviously I I, I wouldn't want them to go through like hard times, but because they've gone through their own hard times, not necessarily cancer, but just different things. They 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 kind of had um an idea of like how to make me feel better and like how to console someone that isn't necessarily, Oh, like, like it's going to be okay. Like, you know, like not to say that that's really bullshit. Like some people, that's how they know how to console people. But I think most people, that's not really what they need. They just need like a friend or someone just to listen to them or someone just, you know, to just make them laugh about what whatever, like um, they're your friends. Like they know how to make you laugh. They know how to, you know, they know the probably the stuff that makes you upset too. So they might, you know, they'll know to avoid those things or to avoid saying those things. Um, um, I, I, I think I, I think I was really lucky um, that uh, I had like a, a lot of people around me, not necessarily people where I could have like always like super deep, meaningful conversations or, you know, oh, a shoulder to cry on and, and that sort of stuff. I don't really think I had that, but I had just a lot of people who just like, like gave a fuck, like came around and like said like, yo, how are you doing? And, you know, really pushed themselves, even though they were uncomfortable, like they didn't know what to say half the time. They just like came and sat beside me and just like looked at me, like experienced whatever I was like experiencing or like just literally like sat there and like watched me sleep and like stuff like that. So they showed up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They just showed up. Like even if they didn't know like what to do or what to say, like they were just there. Like, so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Um, uh, that that part of I guess that journey like acknowledging it now and in the moment I didn't really think of it like that but now that I look back on it I'm just like okay like they, even if they they weren't there for me all the time or they're 
there for times where maybe I might have wanted them there. Um, they were there for obviously like the most important time um, that they could be because it. They, again, there's a lot of people that weren't that I was like, man, like I thought this person would have showed up or I thought this person like like would have been there. You know, I, I thought I wouldn't have to tell them or even people I knew that I knew that they knew and I didn't say anything or they didn't do anything, but. That's a whole, that's a whole, whole other thing. Sometimes you have to tell them. Yeah. Like I, I had a friend who I had to tell like, Hey, I need you right now. You know, you yeah. gotta like kind of show up in whatever way you can, but like, I'm just like not feeling like you're there. And you know, he was just like caught off guard, like, yo, sorry. Like I'll do, I just didn't know, you know, I didn't know yeah. if you want to distance right now or, yeah. but I think that's so amazing that you had that core group of guys all show up. Like yeah. that's, that is special. A huge part. I mean, for me at least right away was just feeling like very isolated, especially being young. Cause you're kind of like looking around at your friends or people your age. And like, everyone is like making plans and all of a sudden your life is like, just like put on pause and like, you can't do anything. It's another form of like being in prison. Right. So I think just the fact that like people showed up for you, even though you're, you are alone in your experience because no one can fully re- like recognize what you're going through just having them sit beside you makes you feel like a little bit less alone probably in that moment. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, like it, it's a lot to ask of your friends too, you know? And, uh, I had a moment where I, like, I had like a really good conversation with my uncle about that. Um, like, you know, you, you can't hold people to these expectations of showing up and like you, like your expectations should be very low. Like he basically said, like, man, like, like you have cancer, like, are your friends doctors? Like, are, are your friends therapists? Or is, are your, is your family this? Is your family that? And it's like, like, I kind of, I think like to some people that might kind of seem like, like, uh, he's like dumbing down, like what, what a friend should be almost. But like, like, it just made a lot of sense to me to say like, yo, your expectations should be really low. Like, how can you expect people to like, like take your, you having cancer? Well, how can you expect people to have the answers? that you're looking for that like mm-hmm. yeah like no one really has and no no one in no one around you has had cancer so like how are they how are they gonna know what to say and what to do and to make you feel better and you know even if they're trying like th- th- there's just no way like you there's sometimes people that like they, they might have wanted to say something they might have wanted to do something like you're saying with your friend like he acknowledged he knew that you were going through something but his assumption would just happened to be the wrong one that like you wanted space when you actually wanted the opposite, because maybe in a different situation, you, you, you would have wanted space. You would have been like, yeah, like, you know what, bro, like I'm going through this, but you know, I just need some space right now. But because this is such a unique situation, um, like you, you just, you wanted something completely different that he, he couldn't have, he couldn't have guessed that or, or, or he didn't, maybe, maybe he did want to approach you, but he's like, he's like racking his brain about like, yo, what do I even say? Yeah. It's tough, right? Cause you're, that's what you're balancing is you're balancing like your expectation, trying to understand other people's feelings and the shock that they already have. But you bring up a good point. Like, you know, yeah, yes, your, your uncle's right. Like they don't know anything about going through cancer. They're not going to have the answers that you want. Did you have some, did the hospital provide someone like a social worker or did you get recommended a therapist or anyone at that time? Like, was there someone who was maybe going to help hold your hand through that process no (laughs) i didn't get anything like there there was maybe like some sort of pamphlet thrown my way at some point but not like even i'm pretty sure the pamphlet it was like 
the the one thing that I feel like was most important, which would have been like someone to like hold your hand or someone like unbiased, you know, like was like on one of those like, oh, my cat's missing black and white. Oh, social worker, call this number, uh, you know, between these times sort of paper versus everything else is like full color, you know, uh, designed by some graphic designer. And But this one piece, like it was the most important piece, the, the most important piece was like given to you separately, given to you like, like I didn't get that until basically after my surgery, I, I had to start doing chemo. I didn't get that until like, I was in like, like halfway through chemo. I like, know it's such a gap. Yeah. Like it's such a gap for that moment. Like it's, it's when you actually do need someone to come in and, and just talk to you with an unbiased opinion. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's hard. I mean, you, you went through the same, same thing. Yeah. I don't think I had, I, yeah, it's weird. I think they bring the social worker in during chemo. Like that's yeah. like the worst part or something. Like yeah. that's what they assume, I guess. I don't know. Cause that's when mine came in too. It was yeah. like, but yeah. So they tell you that it's spread. Yeah. And it's that it's in your abdomen. Yeah. Is there like a tumor in your abdomen or do they just see the cells? Um, so it's just like the cells. So like at that point, it's just like doctor sits you down. And I, so now, so, so I went to like four different hospitals. So I started at Sunnybrook and then I got recommended to um, uh, Princess Margaret slash uh, Mount Sinai. Uh, Mount Sinai slash uh, what's the other one across the street? I'm forgetting the name. I know it's uh, Hospital of Toronto. What is it called? Oh, Toronto General. Toronto General. Or? So it's a doctor who literally works in like all three of them. Um, he just sits me down. And he's like, "This is what it is right now, and these are your options. You can either go through chemo. There's a chance it'll work. There's like a fifty percent chance, basically, it'll work, or you can do surgery right now. And and like that'll." Re- that'll remove whatever you need to remove, but like, it's up to you. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Like, these are just your options. Surgery, surgery of what exactly? So, um, it's, I don't know the actual term, but it's called RPLND. And so basically it's a surgery to remove all the lymph nodes in my, uh, in my abdomen, Mm -hmm. um, that, um, are the way they look are 50% cancerous. So it's something where the, the, the actual third option was to do nothing and like hope everything went okay because it was only 50%. So I could live the rest of my life like that and I could never actually have like full blown cancer. Right. Um, or I could do the, do the surgery and just remove it right away. Or I could do the chemo and hope that the chemo just removes it. I don't have any scars on my body. I don't have to like go into my body in any way. Um, and then those were kind of three choices. And, and my head, like I, I kind of was talking about before, like if I feel like there's something wrong with me, I'm not afraid to say like, yeah, like, like whatever you can do to help me, like I'm willing to, I'm willing to try. So at that point I was kind of like, okay, if I don't have to have like a surgery, like someone enter my body, then let me like go for that. So like I, I chose chemo obviously. And then that was like, so this was in uh, May uh, that I first got the surgery I think it was May 6th to 9th, basically, was that three-day wait. Um, and then in June um, is when I actually started chemo, and I did chemo from June to um, the, the end of – so beginning of June to the end of August, so just about, like, two months, which is, like, very short time compared to some people, a very, very short time. And there's, like – it's a very humbling experience, I think, 
for people who've had cancer. If if you talk to other people who've had cancer, which transparently, like you're actually the first person I've ever met who had cancer. Like <laughs> who who I know. Like none of my family has cancer. None of my friends have mm-hmm. cancer. No one in my circle. I've never met anybody else my age at. I don't think at all, other than the people in the hospital, obviously, yeah. that had cancer. So you're the first person mm-hmm. like wow. um, that I'm talking to. About, wow, like, that's crazy. Yeah. Everyone else I've talked to about my experience has not had cancer. So yeah. you're like the very first person. Um, I can relate to all your experiences to some level. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm a woman. There's some differences. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> but um, but, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Being in like, um, like, uh, cho- like choosing the kind of chemo path, like I think... Um, uh, had a lot of um, uh, this is weird to say positives <laughs> having chemo. Um, the the one thing I guess uh, I guess in a way to relate to you is like maybe uh, at the times that I did like my my chemo visits or whatever, fifty um, percent of the people there were women. Like just off the bat, like and I don't know if they all what kind of cancer they had or what it was, but like that was like it, it, you can you. When you're in that stage, you can't help but just like look and observe. Like half the time you're sick, half the time you can't really move anyway. So you're just like observing. And I saw maybe one other person my age and his dad came with him the whole time. He looked kind of older than me too. And it's just like, even that as an experience, like there was times I went to chemo by myself because I just like had to, you know, um, it was it was a very um, interesting experience. I was also allergic to my chemo. That's interesting too. Really? Yeah. When did you find Wait, that out? Did they the, the first day? Oh my god! The first day so- I had uh, it's it's a called so like um, I'm sure they explained it to you. So like chemo isn't like a one and done. Depending on your the type of cancer you have, depending on the the level that you're at, like there's different like types of chemo that they give you. I can't even tell you what type I had, but now I know I'm allergic to a topicide. So like the first time I had it, I had a, I got anaphylactic shock. Um, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. So we so they like they do the did they give you Benadryl every time before? Uh, yeah, because you can't not yeah. take it. Like yes. you have to. They you, give you heavy Benadryl. Heavy steroids. <laughs> yeah. Heavy steroids. And yeah. one during one of my chemo sessions yeah. across the hall from me, there was a girl doing the same time, type of chemo as me, and yeah. she went into anaphylactic shock yeah. and had to be like taken out like how yeah. was that the same thing did you completely did you were you like unconscious like how far did that go uh, no I, it, it was pretty quick because like um again like i wasn't by myself like obviously for the first day you know people kind of want to be there um but yeah i was just like sitting there and then like you can like feel it go into you and you're just like sitting there i'm just like uh, i'm just like scratching my neck i was like why am i scratching my neck and then i'm like kind of talking to myself out loud and then I like I then I I stop being able to talk and then I can't breathe and I'm and I'm just like to my mom I'm just like tapping her I'm like yo like I can't breathe like I don't know what's going on I don't know what's going on like call the nurse and then she, my mom's obviously freaking out <laughs> so she calls the nurse and then the nurse just gives me some like thing like in the epipen um yeah but she puts it into the the IV the IV oh interesting um, like right away and like like you can it's like hot like you can feel it like right away mm-hmm. um and then. You, you, like I didn't like pass out, but I was kind of just like, like I was like in a daze for like a second. But like it, they were pretty quick about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then yeah, they had to stop for the whole day, so I didn't do that. In a way, that wasn't my first day of chemo because I had to like stop right away. Um, and then like when I went back again, they said, "Oh, like you can't like not take it." So you basically like 
So basically, every time I went in for chemo, I reacted, and then they would give me the Benadryl, and then I would take. There's like what? There's three. Three you have to take. So you take the one, then I do the Benadryl steroid, and then once that hits and it kicks in, then you take the second one. Technically. Wait. Yeah. So you still had to keep taking the one you were allergic to? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it was uh, it was uh, I guess whatever the only type. I guess that I had to do. So uh, did you have to start feeling the effects every time, and then they yeah, would give every you every single the, time? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, every single time. It wasn't as, it wasn't as bad. It's not like oh anaphylactic shock, and then yeah, it's just like oh like I can feel like my neck kind of like squeeze up and tense up, and my neck would get kind of red, and it would go away right away. Like it, it would be like like a five second thing. Like it wasn't like the first time where I was like there for like thirty seconds, like trying to breathe. Like it wasn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. How many rounds of chemo did you have to do? I couldn't even tell you. I don't, mm. I don't even remember. Just did, all, did, I, know, all it, I know is from it was from June to to the end of August. Was it like uh, weekly or every three weeks? Or um, it was, was like two or three times a week. Oh wow! For um, whoa, two months. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. two or three times per week. Yeah, per week. Yeah. Wow. That's wow. the most often we've ever heard. Yeah, because yeah. people sometimes do like every two weeks once. Yeah, yeah. Do you um, know if you had an aggressive cancer? Um, I don't. I don't. I don't even know. I'm not sure. Like it, it wasn't like two or three weeks. Like every time, so it'd be like. So it like everyone's like cycle is different. So sometimes it would be like this week I'm doing it twice and then the next week I'm doing it once and this week I'm doing it three times and this week I'm doing it once. And it was like mm. cycled like that. So it wasn't like two or three times like super aggressive like that. Like I should have kind of explained that. It wasn't like it wasn't like that much. No, mm. it was like one week could be twice, one week could be once, and the next week could be three. Like and it would just go like in a cycle. I guess it's just a lot to hear in comparison to the other ones we've heard. But I guess in that situation, like it's not like you are being told in comparison to other people. It's yeah. like, this is just what you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did the chemo make you feel? Did you go through like all the typical? Um, yeah, I, I guess. It was just like, it's like having um, the stomach flu and like a cold and... Uh, a headache and every everything you take pills for off the shelf, but like at one time, <laughs> basically is, is what I would describe it as. And it's just like, if you can imagine what it's like when you're like, you know, oh, I got to take two days off work because I'm sick. And, you know, now I'm back to work. I'm feeling better. But like you feel like that for like two months, like every day and it mm -hmm. doesn't go away like ever. And it's also like a lot worse. So even now when I get sick, like I don't it doesn't feel the same as it did before. Like I just like live with, it. I just like, I don't take days off. I'm like, Oh, like I'm sick. Oh, I'm blowing my nose. Oh, my head hurts. I got a headache. I take some Tylenol on. Oh, shit hurts. But I just live with it just cause it, it, going through chemo was so much worse. Like, mm -hmm. and yeah, I had to, there's no choice. I had to live with it like every day. So having a cold now or having like a stomach ache now, yeah, I'm hurt. Yeah. I'm, sometimes, you know, I got to take a day off or two, but like if I really needed to, I could still function. Like it's, Mm. it's not like it's not it's not the worst that it can get yeah right so were you working the whole time during chemo yeah no no oh no you weren't no, at no, all no. Okay. i couldn't okay. like no like i i when, when i say that i mean like that's how i feel now when i get sick yeah like when i was during chemo like i was not working i could not function like i was just at home in the dark every day um so how did you mentally cope with that <laughs> Um, well, like my mom took time off work, um, mm -hmm. to just like, basically just like be around like when I needed her for certain times. Um, and, um, yeah, for most, I think my, my whole chemo mix up, maybe like the last like 
week or two. And that's again, like when my body just started getting used to just being sick. Um, my mom was like with me like every single day, um, like taking me to all my chemo appointments and, um, making sure like I was feeling okay. And like, ask me questions, feeding me and things like that. And, um, there's like a couple different things. So like when I was going through chemo, um, so basically chemo like kills all your white blood cells. Um, and so that's why people on chemo get really sick. So, um, chemo is almost like when, almost like when people try to avoid COVID, but like you, you can't really, you can't really avoid it. So my white blood cells like went really low. Like I guess the chemo was working really good. So I had to go to the hospital a lot of the time because uh, the the simple term is it's called like a chemo uh, fever. So basically you, when your chemo gets to a certain point, if you have a fever over a certain level, you have to go to the hospital basically because you, you, you could die if you don't. Um, so I went, so that was like, so it's like Sunnybrook and then it was Princess Margaret and then it was, Oh, actually, before Princess Margaret, I actually forgot. I had to go to Mount Sinai to do like, a, uh, what do you call it? I had to store my sperm, which is another thing where they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, so like after you go through all this, you might not be able to have kids. So you you got to do this thing first before you do you do anything. So that was that was kind of a sidebar. That wasn't really like a, didn't really feel like a huge thing at the time. Um, but having to sign off papers saying, yeah, if I die, like this person can use my sperm to do this or have a kid or give it to this person. And that's a whole thing. Um, but yeah, like during the, the chemo fevers, I, the third hospital was Scarborough general because I was, I live living in Scarborough at the time. Um, and then you would just go there and then they would just like basically pump you with white blood cells. Um, uh, and then you kind of just had to like recover for like a couple of days. They had to make sure like you were okay to go home. And that happened maybe like three or four times, like during, during chemo. And then eventually I had to take like this, um, I don't know, a, a drug. I couldn't even tell you what it's called. And basically you just like throw it into your leg, um, like once a week. Cause you're doing chemo basically like once a week. Um, and if you can imagine like, uh, like when, like when you get a bruise and that bruise is like throbbing, if you can think of it, like the best way I could put it is like, you know, when you see a bone and there's like marrow in your bone. So imagine like the marrow in your bone started to feel heavy, started to feel like weight and it's just like pain. And then you're just like there, like laying down and you like literally can't move. Like when, like, you, like almost like when you sleep on like the wrong side and like, you know, your neck hurts or something like that. It's like that, but like all over your body. And like, I had to take that because the chemo was working too good. Because because I kept getting sick, so that was giving me basically white blood cells, so I would stop getting sick. Which it worked. I, I stopped getting sick, but every time I took it, I had to just like be in my bed for like half an hour to an hour, just like enduring this pain until it went away. Um, wow. Yeah, and then um, yeah, that was my chemo experience. Basically, <laughs> that was like every day for like two months. Well, it makes yeah. sense why you couldn't work. Yeah. Yes. Um, Did you at this time have a romantic partner at all? Yeah, I did. I did. You did from Um, the beginning. Yeah. So uh, when I got diagnosed, I was um, like only like three months into like a very new relationship. Mm. Um, So that that relationship is actually what sparked the conversation with my uncle that I was talking about, saying like, basically saying he's like, "Yo, you're lucky she's still around," because if she were to leave, like, would you blame her? Like, he didn't even, he didn't like say, he like asked me, he's like, would you blame her if she left? Like you, you guys don't know each other that well intimately. Like she, she's probably never dealt with cancer. Neither have you. 
So you guys aren't equipped to like go through that emotionally, especially emotionally together. And um, yeah, that experience was like, like now that even during it, like very distant and very, like just didn't know how to deal with it at all. Like very cold in a lot of situations. And um, again, like at the time I couldn't really blame her, you know? Um, And I still don't. And I never, never would. Um, But yeah, it was kind of hard, like not, feeling like your partner was like in your corner or your partner wasn't like like saying the right things or like not as worried as you feel like they should be you know mm. um and I'm, I'm not with that person anymore but obviously like um regardless of that like again i, I don't i don't hold any like i don't know what the word is Ill, I, Ill will yeah i don't hold any ill will towards her at all like she was probably going through it as much as i was like just in a different way like having to like see someone like well, like I just met this guy and now this guy's cancer and now he's going through this thing and he, he looked this way and now he's bald with no hair and like, you know, different things you might think about as someone like, oh, it's like, oh, that's my, my partner, right? Especially if you're not like super deep in it. Oh, like we've been mm-hmm. dating for like X amount of years and now, and now they got, it's very different. Like I'm dating her for three months, yeah, right? And like our half of our relationship, we had dated for about three years. Um, half of our relationship was cancer. The other half was COVID. Mm-hmm. So, um, after those things kind of like, uh, like after going through that, that sort of thing, um, with someone or even without someone like that's like, that's a lot like to handle, you know, for, um, a single person, especially if like, because you're my intimate partner, you're with me like all the time, you know, it's the same time we would have been spending, but like, you can't go outside or you don't want to, you almost feel like guilt for like being able to like live your life while mm-hmm. like. I'm at home, like, just, like, bedridden, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a big, like, it must put someone in, like, her position um, in just, like, a really weird position because you probably don't want to seem like a terrible person by, like, abandoning someone. But those are, like, big questions that you have to ask about your own life. Like, you know, that's going to really impact you and even just everything like there's so many unknowns you don't know how the chemo is going to affect you the fertility piece it's like you're having to like face all those huge questions with someone that you are still getting to know like that's yeah yeah it's it was it was a lot and like um even transparently like when our relationship ended not because of that like that was a question i actually asked because i was curious i was like i was like hey like do you think we would have been together this long if it wasn't for me getting sick and like basically your answer was like no and like even for me that was like oh shit well what (laughs) (laughs) you know um like and 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 like that i like i i can't really blame her like that's kind of like even if that was me in that situation i'd be like well shit like i don't really want to be like yo like i can't handle this good luck with cancer (laughs) (laughs) like exactly leave you know it's 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 a lot like even just to chat even if you were to say you know what like i gotta put my emotions aside i decided to be with this person like let me just even just try to be a friend to them you know Mm -hmm. um and i feel like with uh the emotional capacity that she had like she did the best that she could for the person that i knew that she was yeah i think she did the best that she could Mm -hmm. um in that situation with the time that we had together like before so like again like I don't know. I, I can't really, like I said, I can't really hold any ill will towards towards yeah. her. So, so she was with you from the diagnosis through the chemo. 
through the through the whole thing through the whole thing yeah yeah through the chemo through through everything um up until like all the surgeries and stuff ended but yeah like the the chemo was like yeah up until so like we started dating in like i think february or march um and then yeah i got diagnosed in may so yeah it's like two or three months and then yeah like another two or three months yeah, through the chemo and whatnot and yeah yeah so i do have questions about like your single life sure. <laughs> and then your guys's relationship how you yeah. like met but yeah. i guess in the chronology um would it make sense to just like go through after chemo did yeah. you like what I, can, was that I, can kind of, I can kind of like fast forward so like like after chemo so it was like may was um the initial surgery that i had just to remove the testicle and the like the the, the tumor and then from june to august um was uh chemo and then you wait like a month or something i forget what the timeline is to see basically if the chemo worked it didn't work um so then i had to do um the rplnd uh which was in october uh like the end of october um uh to get it removed basically to get like all the uh the lymph nodes removed from my abdomen um because it was either (laughs) At that point, because the chemo didn't work and the the um, uh, cancer cells were still in all the tissue, uh, it was okay. You either choose to say, "Okay, you know what? Like, I'm good. Like, like I don't want to go through this anymore. Like, I want to just, um, you know, like try to live my life and kind of hope for the best, or I can choose to do the surgery." And for me, I'm just like, I'm gonna do the surgery. Like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to you know, in 10 years, like something's wrong with me and I don't know what it is. And then it was this thing and I could have got rid of it 10 years ago, you know? Um, so I just like decided, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do the surgery. And then, um, that was like on the 28th, I think of October. I don't know if I'm getting that correct. Um, so that was like, so August, that's like two or three months, no, two months after of like, just like waiting to just have the surgery. Um, and that was that was probably like scarier for me than the first one. The first one was almost laughable because yeah, honestly, it was laughable because it was my testicle. It was laughable, <laughs> but this one was like actually like you're going like inside my body uh, and like opening me up. And um, and one of the the things um, my doctor was like, he's like, you just have to know like like once once you go through this, like when you wake up, it's gonna feel like your body is resetting. So there's a lot of things that like you're not gonna know how to do. And your body's not going to know how to do. And like your mind is going to want to do them, but your body's just like, is not capable. And you kind of have to like, it's almost like you have to wait for your body to charge. It's like, if you had an iPhone for a really long time, you try to have an old iPhone. It just doesn't charge properly anymore. It's kind of like that. It just takes longer and longer to charge. Mm -hmm. And after you charge it, it's like, oh, your phone lasts for two hours and you got to charge it again. Right. And like, that's like the best way I can put like how, like waking up after that, that last surgery was was and that last surgery was probably like probably like the worst thing because i had a lot of complicated <laughs> a lot mm-hmm. of complications afterwards um i had um so so basically a lot of times after surgery because your body is reacting and almost returning on there there's a lot of things that are almost like missing because your body isn't producing them and the opposite where for me because there's no more lymph nodes in there my body was producing like extra like blood and like fluid so I had something called um, edema. So basically, they're supposed to put like a 
little tube in your stomach that's almost like when they take a sap out of a tree so that your body, the, the liquid can just like flow out easily and almost like the inside of your body can breathe. And so my doctor, for whatever reason, decided not to do that. Um, so if you can imagine what I would look like pregnant, that's basically what it was. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, but like I had like, like an, like, um, like an open, not a scar yet, but like for some, basically the bottom of my chest, just under my chest to like the top of like my like pubic area basically was like a huge scar that still had staples in it that was just closed. So if you can imagine like liquid filling up in my body, it literally felt like my body was like ripping open the whole time. Ow. And then, yeah, it was like, it was like a lot. And then, um, the, the first time it happened, um, they just like didn't know what was going on. And because like that, they, they they don't want to like misdiagnose you. So they have to like do all these things. And, and like, it was the first time, like I felt like I was going to die. Like in that whole situation, like I literally, like I wanted, like, like I wanted to die. I was like, yo, like, just like, like if you ever watched like an exorcism movie or something like that, I like, guess literally what it was. Like, I was like, like crying my eyes out. I was like screaming. I was like trying to get out of the door, trying to find my doctor. Cause my doctor was doing like a surgery, which obviously takes like hours and hours and hours. So like they can't, they can't make a move without my doctor. So basically I waited like maybe 12 or 14 hours while my stomach is like filling up with this fluid to find out what it was to make a decision about it. And then have to have my doctor approve that decision, yeah. which took like Ugh. all that time. Yeah. It seems extremely bizarre that they would not have pulled in another doctor. Yeah. yeah. Like that, like, yeah. Yeah. Like your bureaucratic approach seems yeah. insane when your body's filling up with blood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just want to understand when they did the surgery and they take the lymph nodes out, are they taking like tissue out too? Like, how yeah, lymph nodes are, are like the tissue that like absorb certain things in your body. Um, and like those, that tissue is what had like the cancer cells in them. Um, I think they call it teratoma. I think that's the word. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. And so it was just like, again, it was the same, the same question was, what was posed to me like, oh, like, so this is what it is. Chemo didn't work. You still have cancer cells in your body. You can either choose to live with it or do the surgery. And then again, my doctor is like, you know what? Like, obviously, like, I'm a doctor. I have to give you my dis my opinion too. My opinion is that like, do it now and don't wait for it to get worse potentially. Mm -hmm. Um. So then, obviously, yeah, I chose I chose to do it then, and then, yeah, a bunch of <laughs> other shit went wrong. Um. But, um, yeah, eventually, eventually in, in the night, like a bunch of other doctors came and it actually did end up being a different doctor mm. after like X amount of time. Mm. Um, and it, it only ends up being a different doctor if you start bothering other patients. But I, I got to a point where basically like I was in so Anyone much listening, take notes, yeah. bother the patients. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> cause so a scene. like, how are you bothering them? Like just being like, this is ridiculous. Like, no, like I'm like screaming, like I'm screaming, screaming, screaming my lungs out. Oh, like, so to the point they're complaining. Yeah. yeah. To, well, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I, but I, I like, I like did it so often that, um, like I basically fell asleep. Like I was in so much pain. Like I passed out basically. Yeah. Wow. Um, but a sidebar, I just want to make sure I mention this. This is. Uh, a note from a triage nurse. Again, I guess we got to say, oh, we're not doctors, this and that. She always said, she's like, whatever you're feeling, always add to. 
So if a doctor asks you, oh, like, oh, are you in pain between one to 10? And what are you in pain? If you're a five, say seven. If you're a seven, say nine. If you're a nine, say 11. Because you like it basically, if you don't say past seven, apparently that they're not going to treat you the same as they would like any other, like you're going to get put to the side, basically. Like it's transparently what she told me because she even asked me, she's because I was like, this was like a separate occasion, but the one time that I had to go to the emergency room where she told me this, but yeah, in that note of like noting down things you should do when you're in a hospital, like always at least say seven. It doesn't matter how, like how much pain or little pain you feel. Like if you feel anything at all and you feel like something's wrong and you, you need it to be fixed, like always say at least seven for, for anything. But yeah, that's a sidebar. That's a great note. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, everyone write that down. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And that is from, from a triage nurse. This is not, this is not me making up stuff. This is from an actual nurse that deals with like, you know, the, the 3am calls of like, Oh, what's wrong. And like, Oh, we have to, you know, take your blood pressure and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I would imagine that doctors and nurses are probably very, uh, like, um, used to seeing people in pain so maybe they're not as reactive to it and you need to bump it up a little it's really it's really objective for them (laughs) yeah and like i think once you're once you're kind of in that situation not like a one and done oh i went to the hospital i waited really long blah blah blah. but once you're in that situation and you start to understand why you're waiting that long because there's literally there could be like eight rooms which with eight of these machines that like you know all these people need but there's one person there's one person working like none of those rooms are being used. And it's like, once you're in a hospital multiple times, you understand why things take so long. It's not like people are being lazy or, you know, people are like, you know, misscheduling things, which transparently does happen, but that that's not what it is. It's like you, you start to build an understanding of, of why things take long of why things take months at a time sometimes too. And, and it sucks, but it's, it's the reality of, um, uh, what like these hospital workers are, are, are kind of going through to try to treat all these different people with, within a time that, that, that seems reasonable. And like objectively, if you're not in worse pain than person A and you're person B, you, you're, you're, you're waiting an extra two hours and this person's waiting just an hour. Like it's just, it just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. What, um, well, you said that they had to bring in another doctor cause you were in so much pain. Yeah. So, 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 so basically they, um, they had to just like pump my stomach from all with all the fluid. Um, so they like basically put like this like uh, needle that's like attached to like a tube, like a, I guess a needle big enough to like suck out whatever's in there. And it's like these like um, it's it's almost like these these water bottles. They're probably a little bit bigger. I think they're I think they're gallons each. And then so like um, every time was like um, I don't know I don't know how much it was just a couple of gallons every time of just like fluid just oh. coming out of oh my, my body I have pictures the biggest one was like 10 basically like 10 of these just filled with like this like orange fluid thing that was just like a mix of like body fluid and blood oh basically like uh like old blood because it's not like in your bloodstream it's yeah. like things that have come out because it's not it's not going anywhere your body's producing all this blood for all this tissue that's that's just not there anymore oh yeah. interesting. And so lymph nodes would drain that yeah they, they would use it they would use it almost mm. they would use it um but like the lymph nodes aren't, aren't there anymore so it's just like my body's like filling up with all this fluid and this blood that has nowhere to go mm. um so they had kept having to like basically like pump me um mm. and so like so i was supposed to be after that surgery i was supposed to be in the hospital for maybe like three or four days after i was in the hospital for two more weeks because of the edema because i couldn't leave because it just like 
basically like kept going mm-hmm. and then their hope was like oh hopefully it'll stop and so like every like day or two i had to I had to just like get pumped wow um from all the fluid and it's just like gallons at a time oh my god um during I, that w- during that was your mindset like could you see past this situation like into the future of not being there anymore or was it kind of like trapped within your experience um i i in certain moments, yes, but in, in others, not so much. Just because, um, like, I had a person that like kind of talked to me, and we spoke about it be- before this conversation. Um, whoever this guy is, shout out to him. Uh, he kind of just like like saw me on one of my days at chemo, and kind of just started, you know, struck up a conversation. He was a volunteer who actually also had chemo or also had cancer. Sorry. Um, and then he just told me, he's like, you know, like whenever you're kind of in this, what was me, why me sort of like zone, like you kind of have to just tell yourself objectively, like what's next, because if you continue to tell yourself that, like you'll be able to push on past the other thing, because you'll like, if you think about like what, what the next step is, what the step after that and the step after that, and how do I get from A to Z without, without thinking about B, C, D, like you, you, you'll never actually get to that point. You'll just like just rack your brain and like you'll, you'll become paranoid and sad and all these different emotions all at the same time because you're thinking about all these different avenues that this road could go down and all like all you need to think about to kind of like like almost like calm your mind is just okay like so like at that point it was like okay like you know i had this surgery now i have this complication okay like all i have to do is thinking about getting to the next day and like hoping it doesn't fill up again. And like that, that was kind of my mentality, like throughout that process, basically from after chemo, that was kind of my mentality for everything. And I think that's why I, I, I was able to like go through it without feeling like, like what was me like all the time. And, and then when I did feel like that, be able to like pick myself out of it just because of that, like small statement that is, again, it's just like an, an objective outlook on something that can feel so subjective to you because like you're going through all these different emotions and all these different things are happening and people are saying different things and you're, you're, you're trying to kind of like analyze what they're saying, but it's, you have to just tell yourself, yo, it's like right now, like it's not that deep. Like it can't be like, it has to just be, this is where I'm at. This is what they're telling me I need to do. And like, this is hopefully where I'll be after they, after I do what they tell me I need to do. And like, that's like, if I think further than that, then I'm, then I'm just going to end up spiraling. And then that, that's what it's like, that, that's kind of where I was at mentally, at least. I guess after the, the two weeks being in the hospital, I still had edema. And so, but like, they had to just like send me home basically because like they, they needed the bed for someone else. Um, and I basically, got used to the edema just like yeah time for my pump and i just like stick the needle in and just like do it like again like every every like day or two you would like, do it no no no, no. not them not not me like, <laughs> just, like uh uh the, the the different doctors would would do it and eventually it didn't even have to be my doctor anymore because it was like a regular mm-hmm. thing um and then um after that they just sent me home with it and it kept happening and then it was one of those it, you know, you might have to live with this for the rest of your life. It might go away. Um, but eventually they get, again, another drug that basically, um, I guess, boosts your metabolism. Um, and so basically you just use the washroom a lot is basically what it does. Um, and eventually because your metabolism is higher, it like, it, it's almost like when, when you get like bloated, right. And then, and then, um, I don't know, you use the washroom really good or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you feel like empty. And that's basically what it was. Like, like when I used to get pumped, like I look like 
like my stomach was like inverted mm-hmm. like it was so like it was nothing in it's like there. a detox yeah yeah it was like a, yeah yeah exactly exactly that's exactly what it is it was like a detox yeah um and then um it just um just made me feel like really empty really low i was really tired and then I had to like refuel up and then eventually it would just like come again and it wasn't until i started taking those like let's just call them metabolism drugs um that eventually it just it just went away mm. and my metabolism is, is still basically like that now and i'm sure it's because of those drugs but you know i don't have a demon anymore I, and, and it's a thing where it's like they basically tell you like there, there's a chance technically you could still have edema but it's just because of these drugs it just doesn't get it just never gets to that point mm. basically mm-hmm. and you're not on those drugs anymore no 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 no, no not anymore but they, you feel like your metabolism responds I, I feel like I feel like it's it still responds like that mm-hmm. even now and that was like again like four or three four years ago yeah. so yeah that's Got great definitely some some life life change yeah how long did the edema last like because was the expectation that you would go home with this and like somehow somebody at home would pump your stomach or did no. you have to go back to the hospital no I had to go to emergency room every okay. time every <laughs> single time like, that's a wild expectation <laughs> <No>. yeah. <laughs> every every single time like it happened it basically like it slowed down at first. So at first it was every couple of days and then it was like, Oh, every like three days. And then like every like four days, it kind of like it would slow down. And that's why they sent me home. They saw it like getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like they still said, you know, some people like get, get this, they live with it for the rest of their lives. Wow. Um, and it's just like, again, they kind of say without saying it, it is what it is. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the, that's why you sign the paper to say, Oh, there might be complications. And da did you have any fear about like side effects from your treatment before you did the treatment or did you just kind of go into it being like, whatever happens, happens? Um, uh, yeah, I guess. Cause they kind of just read your, your rights about, it's basically just mm-hmm. like, for me, it was just a not being able to have kids thing. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, um, it's like, oh, I, I didn't, I didn't think I would ever even have to think about something like this. Like I'm writing down, like, oh, I have to write my mom's name down to say like, she can use my sperm to make kids if she wants to, or mm-hmm. she will choose to, you know, like basically just like discard it to say like, yeah, like mm-hmm. no more Brandons. <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah. that's just that. Um, that, that was probably the biggest thing. The other stuff was, I don't know. It was so unknown. Like, yeah. like I, like I couldn't rack my brain around it. Like, it's just like there's could be a million and one things that could have went wrong. But yeah, I'm curious about the um, the fertility thing. Yeah. So you've only had one testicle removed, correct? Yeah. Was it that removal that they were like, "There's a chance you may not be able to have kids," and it was after that that they froze your sperm? Um, it was after that that they froze my sperm, but that's not why because of the chemo. Mm. So basically, like the chemo. I don't know what what exactly happens, but basically, like chemo kills all your white blood cells. That's why your hair falls out. That's why a number of other things that it does. And then basically, once you're off it, again, your body is like resetting. But there's a chance that certain things won't reset. Yeah. So again, transparently, like it it'll get to that point. But like right now, like I can't have my own kids at this point. Mm. Um, and like I had after like my um all my treatments and stuff like you have to basically wait two years to find that out so that's mm-hmm. a whole other thing that like okay i wait in the hospital 12 hours but now i'm waiting two years to find out if i can still have my own kids or not except yeah. for the ones that were like the frozen frozen sperm. ones yeah, okay. yeah to find out ones. if you can naturally consume. naturally yeah. exactly naturally yeah. um mm-hmm. which eventually i found out i couldn't which was like a whole other thing but 
yeah, that I, I guess I would be skipping ahead in the story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess after all that surgery and, you know, the edema was kind of cured and, or cured. Then I had like this other thing that was called, uh, what's it called? A variceal. A variceal is just basically like a benign, really small water balloon in the testicle I had left in the other one, mm. um, which can happen to any any guy. It's actually not a thing that has to do with cancer or surgery at all. But because I had surgery and because like they were kind of like messing around in there, it was just like easier for it to come. So then that was another surgery I had to have because of because of like this cancer window that just kind of opened up this like can of worms of just like all these different things mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. where uh, where on the testicle is that that's that like happens. it's like inside um the scrotum basically um and again it's 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 almost it's like uh it's like uh if you had like a if you had like a sixth finger it feels like that like it's just like an extra add-on inside your testicle it's literally it just it literally feels like a little water balloon like inside, but like really small. So there's a variceal and a hydroseal. So variceal is like blood and a hydroseal is like, it's just like fluid, like water. And then so like I had, uh, the, sorry, I actually had the hydroseal first and I had the variceal. So I technically still have the variceal now, um, but it's benign. So it's, mm. it's just, it's just there. Is there like any right. effects of it? Do you, can you feel um, it? So like it, it adds to the fact that I can't have kids basically mm. because it's like in like the bloodstream. So like the blood that like, would i guess let's say give life to the testicle and give life to the sperm it just it doesn't flow the same so it's not as strong um if not i guess in my case doesn't necessarily flow at all mm-hmm. um so yeah it's just not i just can't have kids that's that's mm-hmm. the end of, that's that's kind of that yeah um mm-hmm. but yeah I, I, that was kind of like the last of um uh the surgeries which was like like yeah like early 2020 and then after that um, I guess that was like kind of like my cancer journey up until like waiting the two years to to then um, find out like I like I wasn't fertile like I couldn't have kids, mm-hmm. which was like a whole other thing. And like the weirdest thing was like um, how we were talking about before, like the idea of like telling people you're going through this thing. So like I, I tried to confide in some people because I was I was kind of fucked up about it. I mean like oh man like. Like I thought, I thought I was good. Like I was feeling good. Like you know, like uh, I don't have a deem anymore. Like my metabolism's back. Like I, I'm not bald anymore. All these, all these. I'm going to the gym. Like I'm feeling nice. Like I'm feeling myself. And then I'm like, oh well, now you can't have your own kids. And it's just like, okay, like this, like why is this still going on? Like bro, it's been like two years. Like why am I still dealing with this shit? Mm-hmm. You know. And um, I, I tried to confide in some people and. And they were kind of like, oh, I, I thought that was, I thought, I thought you already couldn't have kids. Like, don't you have like no testicles now? I'm like, no, nah, I still have one. <laughs> it still works. I tested it. It works. <laughs> um, and even that is just like, uh, it was, it was a weird feeling to feel like people already like thought you were down bad. And like, now you're like telling them like, yo, like, honestly, I'm really fucked up. Cause I just found out I can't have kids. And they're just like, oh, I thought that was already your situation. <laughs> and it's like, not, I, I don't even I, like, I, even now, I don't really know how I really felt about it. It's just like, it was odd. I was like, oh damn, like people already thought I was like this. And I, was I the only one who had hope for me kind of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was kind of like my, I guess like my cancer journey. I'm sure like there's like other things that like happened that I might've missed, but those are kind of like the main I guess like core things that had happened um, from the time I got like diagnosed to the time I kind of stopped, ha- basically stopped having surgeries and things. I just have one question about your cancer 
because like mine breast cancer is very like hormone related like yeah. hormones will like feed it into basically make it grow sure is that at all similar with testicular cancer like does testosterone p- play a role or like um not not particularly not in the, okay. not in the beginning testosterone plays a role now because like because i have one less testicle it's less testosterone mm. so like my testosterone count basically like went in half like <laughs> literally literally got cut in half mm-hmm. um and like so again the most transparent way i can put it like if if I'm feeling a way about like like sexually in a way, like you know a lot of people say like mo- some of it's physical, some of it's mental, whatever it is. Like mine is like like if let's say it was fifty fifty before, now mine's like seventy thirty. Like my like skewing towards like so so thirty percent would be physical, seventy percent okay. is just like my mind because literally physically like I'm half half the man I was. Let's say so it it feels more mental. It, it definitely yeah it is it is. Um, uh if like mentally i'm not into something like it's just not this is not happening um like and physically like transfer like, again it just happens for a, a, every guy not just like guys who've been through this that sometimes you're just like not into it so you're just not not working and you have no idea why but for me it's just like i just know like even beforehand i'm like yeah like this is not it's not happening right now like i'm just okay like we gotta we gotta stop like i've, I've had this yeah uh, yeah I mean, I, i've had it before too i had well, it before yeah. the cancer too uh, <laughs> you know something that happens but now now it, it's more like uh it's like i can it's not like oh it's happening in the moment oh shit like it's not working out like 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 before the moment happens, I'm just like, yeah, like it's not, it's not going to happen right now. It's not going to happen today. Um, I think that that's kind of the difference I would say when I say like, for me, it's just like a lot of like, it's, it's like, it's, it's mentally driven for, for the most part, I would say. So do you feel more in tune with yourself then? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, I don't want to say it's like scary, but like I'm, I've always been very observant, but now I'm even more so observant. And I'm sure like, I'm sure Mel can speak to that too obviously because she's my partner um but um like it's like something weird it's almost like like a lot of the time i have to kiss with my eyes open like that's the best way to put it like you know not not literally necessarily i have to do that but like Mm -hmm. a lot of times i do like have to like see what's going on Mm -hmm. i have to visualize what's going on i have to really like i have to consciously like think about what's going on like in front of me um and sometimes it's just emotions uh, like you know like like me just being attracted to my partner is enough for me. It's not like, oh, she has to like touch me or do any sort of thing. Like me just like mentally being attracted to her is like what gets me there. And like that, that's not saying that's all I have, but that's kind of what I have now. Like, Mm -hmm. and I just have to like live like that. Like that's just my life. Mm -hmm. Throughout all of this, I know that the chemo was very difficult, but after that, did you get to have a social life? I kind of made a point to have Mm -hmm. like, I, I, I didn't want it to like, change my life like so obviously at that time i didn't have a job um but i was like pretty smart with my money so i had like a good amount of savings and like i probably should have been a bit more frugal but i did like it was almost like me rebelling against the cancer saying i'm not gonna let this change my life or my lifestyle and when i can live my life the way that i want to i'm going to whether it's Mm -hmm. like oh going to this particular restaurant or man like going to clubs like i went to clubs i didn't do the same things i'm not like they're like dancing and stuff like that and at this time i was still with with uh my last partner um and we were still like doing things and whatnot but sometimes it was like difficult because like 
Like I, I just couldn't be the same person. Like, so one of the things I did, which I shouldn't have done was my friends were planning like a trip to Montreal, like just like do something. And then I was like, yo, like I'm going to go, like, I don't care. This was like maybe like two or three weeks. Like after I was done chemo, like I was like bald, like I was popping meds the whole time just to like <laughs> keep up with them. Like I was doing it all. I was like, nah, I'm not letting this thing like bring me down. Like mm-hmm. I'm wearing hats everywhere. To, there was one point, like I, I was trying to go to this club and like, I was, because I was, cause I was still bald. Like, like I was still a bit insecure about it. Um, and there's certain clubs like I couldn't go to because I, like, I, like they said, Oh, like you can't wear a hat in the club. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, I guess I'm staying, staying home today. And there's other times where I'm like, yo, fuck it. I'm just going to go involved. Like who cares? Like, and you know, I had, I did my thing and I had fun, but like, yeah, physically it was just like, it was like very, like very draining. Like I just like, wasn't, I like, I wasn't walking for like two months. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was just like at home in my bed with my legs up, just like, I was just watching anime, honestly. Um, Shout out to anime. I always say that too, because I felt like for me, at least like it was like all the stories are like far, far enough from reality where it takes you out of like your actual situation Mm. that you're in, but all like also have like these like underlying morals about different things, whether it's like religion or the environment or, you know, relationships and Mm -hmm. whatever it's about, like, you know, like, um, it, it just like kind of helped. It, it it was like um, an, an escape from like everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my free time, I did a lot of that, uh, <laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like a, a social life was was very important to me. Like I didn't want to let like my cancer like turn me into a different person. Like I didn't I didn't want that. Oh, like I had cancer and now I'm transformed and <laughs> I found religion or I did this and I did that. And I was like, no, nah, like like. Like, yo, cancer did a lot for me and taught me a lot, but I'm the same person and I don't want to be like, I don't want to be anybody different. I don't want it to change how I, like, I live my life or the, the plans I had for my life and, and, and the way I, I wanted to live it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely had a social life and and um, I guess that the portion of like, you know, after me and my partner had separated like that, that was like a whole thing for me. Like I, at first I was I was like very insecure because I had like, I had like huge scars on my body and like uh, scars in places where if you're dating around, you're going <laughs> to see them. So like I have like a scar, like that's like on again, like from just under my chest to above, like my pubic area. I have one that's like right there where they took out the testicle from. And I have one that's actually on my scrotum as well. Um, so like if I were to get to a far enough place with any sort of woman, it's just like, you kind of have to like drop the bomb right there. Or you just mm-hmm. like, let this person's mind run of like why there's like this huge it's not like i have like one scar somewhere and like i can hide it with like wearing a certain type of shirt or something like that like it's like literally down the center of my body like there's no there's no hiding that Mm -hmm. you know um so like those are conversations i had to have like really early which were either really awkward or the person just like dismissed it not in a bad way but almost because i was like yo like don't worry about like i'm good like be like, oh my god, am I gonna hurt you? <laughs> be like, no, like you're not gonna hurt me. And like, <laughs> like I'm fine. Like, mm-hmm. and like even having that explanation, that that conversation. Sorry. Um, sometimes it's a bit awkward. Um, for me and some obviously for for them sometimes too. But um, I, I tried to make it a, as casual as possible, and like tried to like you know throw the bomb but like try to like you know catch it just before it hits the ground you know (laughs) just like lay it down don't break the egg yeah don't break the egg exactly like just like lay down the egg and like 
<laughs> you know, just let let it sit. If it rolls around a little bit, it's cool. But like, it, as long as it doesn't break, you know. And 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 um, uh, I I think I I think I was pretty good at at navigating it after mm-hmm. like the first time I, ha- I had that sort of interaction um, with someone. Um, I, I think I got used to it. Uh, the explanation, the the either the awkward uh, sit down on the side of the bed and like explain what actually happened and da 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 and it's like oh my god like are you okay like so what happened and they're just like just more interested in it. and I'm like you know what like yeah I had cancer but I'm still a man a man has needs let's get to the needs <laughs> you know, I don't I don't want to talk about cancer right now yeah. honestly don't, really don't want to talk about that yeah it's kind of like a killer at that moment yeah and, 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 <laughs> like and mood killer <laughs> yeah um, but I mean like it, it, it is what it is and um, you know I, I I lived through that part of my life and it, it was fine like it was mm-hmm. it was good and um, uh yeah, I guess that brought me to meeting Mel. Yeah, and so then, how did you guys meet? We met at a bar. I honestly wasn't even trying to go out. It was just, it was such a random night. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most random night. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just, we met at like a, like a bar and then she, she came up to me and just saying, she came up to me and started talking. <laughs> I had liquid, liquid courage. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, I was bored. Yeah. Yeah. Mel. Um, but yeah, like the, the way we met was like, um, I think in the in the best way possible that we always say it when anyone asks we we basically bonded over like trauma. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily about um, uh, cancer, but it, it kind of led into that where we got to you know the the, the intimate portion of the night, <laughs> and then we were kind of talking about like scars and and things like that. And if I can say about your yeah yeah, yeah. so I have like a big birthmark on my stomach, and it was I think I was wearing like a crop top. No, yeah. 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 And then, yeah, I just kind of like share that just because like, like for me too, like when people like I like meet guys or whatever, it's kind of like I have like a big birthmark on my stomach. Like I was born, I wasn't born with it, but it just like appeared on my stomach. And then I think that like sparked up. He was like, oh, well, I have like a scar on my stomach. And I I didn't know anything about like his like cancer or anything when I met him Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah, it was it was kind of like it, it was it was me trying to make her feel more comfortable being like, Oh, don't worry. Like I got scars. too. <laughs> like, I, I got stuff going on too. And then, um, yeah, like we, um, we kind of bonded over that. And like, as we were dating, like, like our relationship was, was I would say it was pretty quick, but it's because we, we kind of just like knew what we wanted. Um, and the, the cancer, like played a big role in terms of like what we wanted for like life. Like we were at a point where like, um we didn't want like oh like we don't want like a girlfriend or like we wanted like a partner like someone to like build life with Mm -hmm. and like a lot of those questions um were like very like early on and very serious for me because i'm just like yo like if you're with me one you gotta be with okay with the fact that like if we try to have a kid like it's gonna be harder than with like some other guy Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like if like if you're having sex with me like transparently like technically you, you can't hurt me but there are certain things like like i have scars on my body there's certain things i, I can't do mm-hmm. you know or um just being comfortable with like you have to be comfortable like looking at those things like mm-hmm. you know like i'm comfortable with them are you going to be comfortable like you know like when you see me naked like you're going to see my scars every single time like and like i don't know how you're you're going to feel about that and just like even just like bringing that to parents too like if I was a parent, transparently, I'd be like, oh, like my daughter is saying this guy. Okay, cool. Okay, like, oh, he had cancer. Okay, cool. It's like, 
but like isn't cancer kind of hereditary it's like now it's like if my daughter's dating this mm-hmm. guy like are they gonna have kids and like what does what does that make them susceptible to mm-hmm. you know what i mean like that not, might not be something that they say like explicitly and may, maybe not something to think about now but like when we get to that point where we're like trying to have kids and then you know like that's something i think about for me like uh where like i don't want to feel like uh, resented you know like oh like you know like my, my daughter is beautiful she should be having kids with this sort of person where they can have beautiful kids and it's easy and mm-hmm. you know they can have as many as they want and for me it's like yo if i get one i'm good like yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. like I, i'm okay with that because like it's just that much it's just that much harder um Mm-hmm. and just e- even that conversation now it's like now i don't have to just have that conversation of dropping that bomb now now she has to mm-hmm. when people come around or like if if i if i say i don't want to do certain things or can't do certain things mm-hmm. um or if it's like oh like w- let's say we go on like a, a vacation and like a, you know i'm at a pool and i have to take my shirt off and now you know people are too afraid to ask me and now they have to ask mel mm-hmm. and i kind of have to give her kind of the tools to say like okay like this is what happened this is how you can explain it and like these are the things i'm kind of comfortable with you saying and not comfortable with you saying and that's not a conversation we necessarily have like explicitly but it's something that as we talk over time that like like i know that she just understands like i don't really have to say okay like if this person asks like you can kind of tell them if this person asks like i'd rather you not like is they don't really need to know my situation because Mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like uh like a, I guess you could say like almost like a visible disability. Like it's not a disability, but it's not it's not something visible that you can see. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I almost have that power to say like this person I'm okay with knowing and this person I, I'm I'm not. And so like all those things that that people would navigate over years, we navigated in the first month mm-hmm. of knowing each other. Like so many different things and and that that's helped us kind of like almost catapult our relationship into being really strong and like being a unit and and again like unfortunately yeah like we bonded we bonded over trauma but like you know it it is what it is and we got to where we're at and we're happy with where we're at i I hope Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um uh, but um yeah like uh it it, it, if i didn't have almost like this this cancer and the situation we, we might not have have um have uh bonded in in, mm-hmm. in the same way um so so it's a positive i i think for me and my experience and and i'm sure it's not like necessarily like that for everybody but mm-hmm. um i'm sure everybody w- would 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 eventually find someone who, who accepts them for for all those things that they've gone through and, and is okay with with going through the, those sort of things and mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i guess i'm just curious like what that was like for you finding everything out and then what was kind of like your thought process of like can I deal with this or you know where did your mind go yeah like when I first met him and he like told me about it I was like yeah like I was kind of step step like I didn't really it was kind of like a lot to take in but then I'm like I just met this guy like I don't know what like I don't even know if we're even gonna be like together for a while like I don't know if it's gonna be that serious mm-hmm. but I guess like after us like hanging out a lot and like just like falling in love basically I was kind of like okay no I think this is like a serious thing that I have to actually like take seriously and if we actually want to have a family it's kind of like a lot now because he did his part so it's like I don't know what that looks like for us and regardless like in today's day and age like there is technology and like I'm willing to like risk that and I'm willing to like do all that mm-hmm. but um 
but it's like a lot but it's also like at the end of the day like i'm glad he's here like he's here for a reason and mm-hmm. that's all how, i don't know how did you yeah. respond like when he first told you that he couldn't have kids naturally like how important was it for you to have a fa- how important was it for both of you to have a family like must have been something you were thinking about early on um mm-hmm. just like how did you respond to that yeah like i definitely want a family so that was like very unexpected for me but like i said like it was kind of just like okay well i'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes at this point like mm-hmm. If I, and it's kind of sucks now because like we do talk about it and it's like we actually like, do want to have a child, but it's like we want to ha- be like financially okay to mm-hmm. have one, like obviously. But it's like, what steps do I have to take? Like, do I have to like check my fertility like mm-hmm. at this point? Cause like, it's more like insemination, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, we That's don't even know. Like, we can't, yeah, yeah, we haven't gone to that point because like doctors don't take you seriously unless you actually want to start trying. Yeah. yeah. But, that's why it's kind of like when when we cross that bridge, it's kind of like I just hope everything, all the tests come back like positive when it's like my part, you know? Yeah. I remember, I just remember the feeling of like, because we went through a whole fertility Yeah, thing. We, we got a bomb to drop on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, because we, um, same thing for chemo. They just like send you to get fertility testing and stuff in my case. So we went and because Avery was my partner at the time, they tested him just for like to get a baseline of where we together were at. So I remember just being in there. We were kind of like joking and like not really taking it seriously because, you know, it's like something you see in the movies and we weren't even like really thinking about having kids yet. Yeah. And we thought we were both just like fine. So we did the testing and then Avery got some results that like he... Basically, it came back that he had two dead sperm. Three. three. I had three dead sperm. <laughs> in his sample mm. and like zero live ones. Like that's yeah. it. Yeah. So um, we had to deal with that whole journey as well. But I just remember, I just, I think what I think about now the most, because we, he could possibly get a surgery to have it fixed yeah, basically they- is what the like um, result was from that. But I think I had like a mourning period of just being able to have that experience of just like having fun trying to have a kid, you know, because now it's like this whole medical thing that you have to go through that and you have to plan it. You can't just be like, oh, like, let's just like try and have a kid and see what happens. You know, it's like it has to be so thought out and it's just a completely different experience, I think. For nine months, I was basically convinced that I was infertile um, because I had to do genetic testing and no one had any answers and I was doing a fair bit of tests. Um, So I just like sat down one day with her and we were in the middle of you hadn't even had chemo yet you just had your surgery no yeah it was before that yeah and i was just like hey like i got this call today that like i'm basically infertile and like you know i mean you know yeah like yeah like yeah you're just like fuck you say they're like they they don't say zero they say less than one yeah it's like what less than one what does that mean less than one (laughs) Like just just say zero, man. Like I love to not say the thing. You're supposed to have like two hundred million. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You're supposed to have two hundred million, and they're like, like, yeah, you got you got three, you know, and they're dead. Yeah, it's just literally just like, oh yeah, you have less than one. I was like, what's less than one mean? It's mean like I'm shooting blanks, and they're like, yeah. I'm like, ah, okay. And that's what they told you after um, two years later. Two years later. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, they say you shouldn't even be trying to have kids, and because like. 
because they said one is possibility that basically like you won't be able to like um uh, you won't you won't have sperm at all and then when i had sperm i was like okay cool like shit i'm good <laughs> and two years later like yeah it's just it's just mucus there's no actual there's nothing in there it's just it's just, it's just blank i relate yeah rubber bullets yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is confusing because everything looks fine. Yeah, You're like, yeah, this looks yeah. normal. Yeah, yeah. But it's not. Yeah, I had this like crazy like period of like shame. Yeah. Where I was just like, I felt like my body, because like there was nothing, there, I just, there was no answer for what it is. And I still don't know until they're going to, I'm like, I'm going to do the surgery and yeah. then, you know, fingers crossed that yeah. it would work. But yeah. Um, yeah, I just had this like period where I just like, like even like sexually or like, if, if I was like alone, like I just felt shame and like that, like I had this feeling that like I was, it was interesting. Cause like she was going through her thing yeah. and like, you know, when you've, I don't know if you felt like this, but yeah. you had told me that like, you know, you felt like your body was like against you or like mm-hmm. it was, def- yeah. it was defecting. It was, it, it was against you. Right. Well, I, d- I did research after they told me that I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do my thing. I'm looking. I'm like, yo, I'm looking for these guys. Like, where are these guys at? Yeah. And this doesn't look different to me. So so I'm like telling myself, I'm like looking at this. I'm like, how come I can't see it different? Like, and I'm like getting so frustrated. I'm like, how come it doesn't look different? Like, how come it's the same? Like, like why? Like you're like, like you're you're calm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at it and I'm just like, <laughs> man, like this should be different. Like I'm I'm frustrated because I'm like, if something's wrong with me, shouldn't it look different? Like, you know, I had the surgery code, now I have a scar. Okay, they remove my testicle, okay, now it's gone. But now you're telling me I can't have kids, but I can't see the fact that I can't have kids. Yeah. Like, okay, no, it can't be real. It can't be real because I can't see it. I can't see the difference. And it was just like, no, I it's so frustrating. I know what you mean. Like, I was like looking at myself like, yeah. like what am I even like, isn't this the one thing you're supposed to do when you're here? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, this is what we're all made for is yeah. to like reproduce. And like, yeah. I can't, I can't like, so I'm less of a person because yeah. I can't do that. And yeah. like, yeah, I just had that like shame about it for so long and just felt like, what the fuck is wrong with me and yeah. and the whoa? I got the I I called them negative loops because I just <laughs> I just couldn't get out of that and yeah. I mean you know for me there's you know there's ho- there's hope but there's also just that feeling of like no one is ever gonna tell you definitively like what yeah. you guys are saying about mm-hmm. how like like even if we have one yeah. you know because like we have to do something similar we're like yeah. well like. M- if if the surgery doesn't work, they might be able to just like take the sperm out sperm of the out. testicle, and yeah. then it's like the same thing where it's yeah. just they would mm-hmm. inseminate, yeah. do IVF, do I, whatever yeah, that means. whatever that, and what, however much that costs, yeah, yeah. and, and if it works the first thing. time, yeah. and it's just this whole other journey yeah. that you have. But yeah. I mean, they're they're in it, so yeah. you know, they're with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. One other question that I wanted to ask, because you had mentioned this when we talked initially, mm. was that you felt like you were really like a strong support system for yourself yeah. throughout everything. So I guess I just wonder, like, what does that mean? Are there some things that you remember, you know, that you would like do for yourself that kind of helped you get through or? Yeah. Um, I think being able to be vulnerable by myself like i didn't need like a reaction from someone or i didn't need well not all the time but there are moments i didn't need need an answer and and like being able to accept that was um i think what made me feel like i was a strong support system for example there's a moment where because of 
everything with chemo and like your body hurts, whatever you're taking like Tylenol three and like Percocets and all this stuff. And there was times where I was on Percocets and I was just like in my room, like with the lights off, like sitting up in my bed with my legs on the bed and just like, just kind of like hunched over. And like, it was, it was such like a dark moment, like figuratively and literally, but like I had so much time just to like think I mean, like, you know what, like, shit's fucked right now, <laughs> but you know what, like, I'm okay, like, right now, like, I'm alive, like, I, like, I could be dead, like, you know, and having those small conversations with myself and, and, and being it, taking things as, like, a learning curve, um, like, helped me support myself when I felt like, like, no one could, and it's almost, again, like, almost because my mom wasn't, like, that type of person, that like I had been so independent for so long when it came to my emotions, um, that like going through that was just like another test, another test of like how expressive I could be with myself mm. and how um, uh, how I could pick myself up when I was down and like um, and little things that like like I had to tell myself you know like it's okay that you're not okay and mm-hmm. like it's okay that you're like doing these things and something small like and I I still do it now is like. Like, um, uh, when I, like the first time I, when I started to like, so, so like when I was like going through chemo and I was kind of weak, like, I, like I couldn't really like shower properly, uh, because like my ball, like I couldn't, I could literally couldn't stand up. So I would like sit down on like the edge of the, 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 the tub or whatever. And then, um, just like, like let the shower, like just go on me and like, kind of like move really slow. And I'm kind of like, like, it's almost like when a car is like jerking, you're kind of like just jerking around, like trying to like do things yourself um and then every time i would get out of the tub or whatever and i'm doing my thing and i'm like i always have to like hold on to something and then like the main thing is like when i use the washroom because i'm, I'm standing up i always have to hold on to the wall like beside there's the way my washroom was situated like was the toilet was like right beside a wall and like i would hold on to it and lean because i like if i didn't i would like <laughs> literally like fall into the toilet and that's something i still do now yeah. And it's like, like it's it. It's kind of like a, a a a dark memory, and also like a good one to say, like you know what, like like during this time where I had to like literally like hold myself up, like mm-hmm. you know, like that's okay, like it's okay if you if you know people can't always be there for you because like you know what, like you you kind of have to take advantage of those moments when they are there for you because then you can lean into them, but like. You have to you have to be prepared to say a hundred percent of the time, no one's gonna be there for me but me. No one's going through cancer but me. So like I have to keep my expectations low of everyone else and have to raise my expectations for myself because I'm the only one that's gonna get myself out of this, whether it's like emotionally, physically, whatever it is. I'm the one at the end of the day decided to do chemo. I'm the one who decided to to do the surgery. I'm the one who decided to do whatever I'm doing, you know what I mean? And um uh being able to be your own support system and not like let yourself fall into like the, the, the hole of like the, the, the why me's mm-hmm. is, is, um, uh, I, I think something I'm really proud of, like, uh, is like when people say, Oh, like, you know, what, what are some of your accomplishments in life? Like one of my accomplishments is, is, is not saying, Oh, like I survived cancer, but like I, I supported myself throughout it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I feel good about it and I feel like I don't have to hide it. I'm not ashamed of it. I can talk about it like really openly, like, um, and, and feel like, like, I feel happy that not happy that I went through it, but 
happy that I, I went through it the way that I did. And I can look back and say, you know, like I'm, 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 I'm proud of me and I'm proud of who I am now. And like, I think if I wasn't me, I wouldn't have gone through cancer the same way. Um, and yeah, I just like pat myself on the back, I guess, mm-hmm. for having gone through it and, and feel like I, I came out, like I came out good. Like I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm alive, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah. that like made me emotional for a second <laughs> because I feel like I had a very similar experience. And yeah. I feel like that's something that like the whole experience of cancer gave me too, yeah. is just that confidence in myself that I, c- I can get through something. Yeah. I wasn't alone, but like you are alone. Yeah. <laughs> so on my own. Yeah. And it's like, there's, yeah, you can, you, there's just things that you can do to help yourself. Yeah. And, but you have to make a point to do them. Like yeah. it's not just going to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, there, there's definitely moments though, like where like friends were support systems too. Like, again, like the conversation we had where like, again, another core memory was, which is kind of, well, I mean, so basically there was a points where I just like wanted to go outside. And I just like, I like, I couldn't go outside and, or my mom was like at work or whatever it was. And so I'll call my boys and be like, yo, like, what are you guys doing? Like, yo, you guys just like want to like, just like walk up down the street. And so where my, my apartment building is like, it's like on a hill. So I, I didn't have the strength to walk up the hill. So like, I'm like holding on to like the back, my friend's like back. And he's just like walking with me, like really slow, like literally like dragging me, like just on the side of the street, <laughs> like just like walking. Um, and like, you know, those are the moments that kind of showed me like literally a physical, like support system, like using his body, <laughs> like to like, just like help me just like walk. And like the, the irony of it is after that walk, I got sick. Like I, cause I, <laughs> like I had one of the chemo fevers <laughs> I was talking about, but it was worth it. In my eyes, it was worth it because I, it, it also showed me now, like I have that like physical support, like he used his physical body to support me mm-hmm. that, which helped me emotionally and mentally again, literally physically. So I like in those moments, I can't forget to like, you know, acknowledge, acknowledge those things, um, uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It takes a village. Yeah. yeah it, it, <laughs> it, it, it really does. And, and, and the small, the small things too, like, um, even just, um, so like my, uh, my uncle had paid for this service. I forget what the thing is called. Um, but it's like a service that, uh, people volunteer to drive you to and from your chemo treatments. Um, uh, and like, you're literally like just sitting with other people in the car who have cancer. Like, and you're just like, it's like a school bus for people with cancer. And sometimes there's like, there's like this person who drive like big vans and there's like, you know, like six people with you. And there's other times where it's just like a, you know, like little car and it's just you and like one other person. And like, it's like me, I'm like a young guy and I'm bonding with this old lady who's like 70, <laughs> you know, and just like going to, just going to chemo. Yeah. You know? Um, but, um, yeah, like just like the, the, those little things too are not, are not necessarily something that like you might acknowledge as a support system because they're not continuously there, but that one conversation can change your insight on something. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- this one thing a person said could, could, you know, m- make your day better when it was like going shit. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, even just, just to speak on, if I could like just the, this, the idea of going to chemo is like, is re- like, I, I kind of, I think I kind of said this before. It's really humbling. Like, people are going through so much worse things than you. Mm-hmm. Like 
the the same way like people tell you you know what like there's always going to be someone better or there's always going to be someone prettier there's always going to be this but you know you have to be confident in you or con like it's the same sort of thing when you're going through chemo like like i saw a lady who had like like a tube coming out of her head i saw like a, a person literally getting transferred from sick kids into princess margaret like it's just like the idea of like like you're here for two months or you're here for a year, you're here for two years. This person has been dealing with it so long that they changed hospitals. This person is dealing with it to the point where there's like literally like a, a, a person assigned to them to help you get through cancer, like, or get through chemo or whatever it is. And you literally have like a fucking tube, like, like a tube coming out of the back of your head. Like it's just, it's just so, it's just so humbling. Like, it's like even that, like, like, you're seeing people like have a support system whether for that person who is transferring it it's like the hospital is their support system mm -hmm. the the for, for the person with the tube coming out of their head there was like another lady i guess she has some separate machine from the chemo machine like this lady's just like following her around like this like box which i guess is like a, some sort of generator for the tube thing um yeah just like just like little things that are like yo like this is these people's support systems, they come in so many different forms and ways and words and people and, and places and things and just everything. It's just mm -hmm. like, it's so uh, nuanced, like yeah. how, how what a support system can uh, really be, I guess. I do want to call out uh, like healthcare workers yeah, because I, at least in my experience, like they made such a huge difference. Like we had one nurse who was like incredible. I had her from day one and then she wasn't there for all of my chemo sessions, but she was there for like most of them. And like, she just completely changed the experience. Like I was, I also just have social anxiety. So that was even a whole different layer of like having to go into the hospital. And, um, I was cold capping, which is like, you freeze your hair to not lo lose your hair during chemo. And it just requires like a whole setup of equipment and stuff. So I was like panicking that everyone in the hospital was going to like hate me because I was just being a burden on everyone. And like my experience was just so opposite of that. Like they made the biggest difference of just being like kind and like acknowledging that this is a scary and and um new experience for for you um i just think that they deserve all the props because yeah it makes such a huge difference yeah the, the stuff that like um nurses specifically have to deal with is ridiculous <laughs> like that that everyone who has had this like good experience with hospitals like speaks their praises but i, I don't know if you saw this but at, while i was in the hospital i some saw some people like disrespect these workers who are literally there to help your life go better like they're taking time out of their life so that you can survive so that you can live another day like and you understand that they're they're taking care of you plus like eight other people and they're working like throughout the night like these people aren't owls but they choose to like be up from you know 7 p.m to 7 a.m like like that's their shift like and then the next week they got to do it all over again but the other time and and you know they, they they have lives and families and they're going through their own thing and they, they can put all that aside to like objectively take care of you and then subjectively give you advice and make you feel better and you know tell you these little things that just like you know uplift you in a moment where, where you might be down or you know tell you a joke or, or laugh at your joke that wasn't funny <laughs> whatever it is and 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 
it's just like a lot like to care to carry like you're literally carrying people's emotions like you're watching people die sometimes like 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 not a lot of us can say like we've watched someone die like we've had the conversation with someone one day and the next day like they're literally gone like and it's just it's just like when when you're in the hospital and that happens and it's like oh it's the guy beside you or the woman beside you you're like oh shit like that's crazy i never experienced that before and then when you're outside the hospital you're like this person works in a hospital like they probably experience this like every other day mm-hmm. and it's just like it you, you there's no way to to give those sort of people enough credit there there's no way like you're choosing to be in a field that you watch people die you watch people like literally watch them like in pain and know that the only thing you can do is give them a pill that will help them feel better but won't help them take it away you understand that every time someone comes in for xyz treatment that the rest of their life is gonna go one of I don't know, two ways or three ways. And none of those ways are positive. You know, um, one is just happens to be better than the other. Mm-hmm. And it's just like all of that weight every single day for like, however long you choose to be a nurse. Because for a doctor, like a doctor is the one that like saves your life. I always say it's doctors, the one that saves your life. A nurse is the person who saves your soul. I say that every time, every time, like nurses, like save my soul. Like I would not be the person I would not have survived it mentally if it wasn't for a nurse. Physically it was for a doctor for sure. But mentally is it's the nurse that gets you through it. That's what I would say at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's a lot. That's really incredible because we, well, we've in this even conversation have talked about how little resources there is for the mental health side of it, which within the hospital, but even outside the hospital is like a more long-term side effect of this. So the thought that it ends up falling on the nurses and they actually are there to catch it is just incredible. That that may or may not be because of the, the lack of social workers, I guess, um, that deal with this sort of thing. But um, I know for me afterwards, I I felt like I had nobody to really like, get deep with this about because again like i like i told you like you're the first person like again this was 2019 like you're the first person i've met in person not in like a tv show who's an actor playing it or like you know this person on this commercial talking about how i should donate to this hospital because this is what they went through like first person in real life like i've ever met who has cancer like who's not me mm-hmm. and like it, it's just like I don't know. Maybe I felt like I couldn't reach out, or I I I didn't maybe look hard enough for for these tools, or I felt like they should have been given to me. But even when we had talked earlier, and you were talking about like Facebook groups and things, I didn't I didn't look for any of that. I didn't know any of that existed, and maybe that's my own ignorance too of like wanting to be independent and figure shit out on my own. But um, I would have loved to have known like about things like that, like er, like earlier on, like just coming out of my. cancer and like i guess chemo situation um to be able to talk to other people and you know almost hear the fact that like you know they had a bad time too and it (laughs) kind of made me feel better i'm like okay i'm not the only one struggling with this or thinking about these things and going through that and um even with, with your situation with your fertility situation too like 
that same uncle he he had uh he has a situation too and he he was unfortunately not able to have kids um because of his situation and his situation again it wasn't cancer but it was something that related to fertility and like um just like uh being able to to have some, a person to talk to is one thing but having like this community of people that like are going through the same thing as you even if it's not the exact same thing like the 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 you know the the diagnosis isn't the same but 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 the impact is the same like regardless of what it is like i can't have a kid on my own like that's just that's just what it is and whether it's cancer or a fertility issue or whatever it is it's like we're all in the same boat and to be able to talk to someone else about it is something that like it, you you can't really like i don't know you can't really explain like fuck like this guy is, it's like it's like when you see someone on the street and you kind of just give them the head nod you're like yeah you know what it is like, you know you know, you know what it's when like. you drive the same car or something <laughs> yeah like yeah. you drive the same car or you got on the same sneakers and you look at the sneakers and you're like Right, yeah you know it's right. good you know it's <laughs> and obviously it's it, it's over a negative thing but it kind of makes you happy you're like oh shit like mm-hmm. you know what like like this is this is just what the world is and like you know even even if you know in in the long term if if i'm not able to have a kid or i'm not able to do this sort of thing and you know however whatever that results in in, in my life you know what? like i'm alive like like i have a life like there are people in my situation who like unfortunately have passed like you know or didn't catch it or you know don't have the resources to catch it if you're like in a different country or whatever and whoever this even just even just thinking about the u.s like like because i was under 25 whenever all this stuff happened half of all my drugs and stuff all this stuff was covered just from the government like mm-hmm. even just that like like i don't even know if i'd be able to afford half the stuff i had to get like at the time um and, and just thinking about that sort of thing too and having the support of like a government i guess even though we complain about it as as much as we do like because uh, there's always something to complain about it's just like you know i'm grateful man mm-hmm. i'm grateful for <laughs> for a healthcare system that gave a fuck about me like to say like yo like don't worry like we got you like mm-hmm. um but yeah like back to the point of just like having someone to talk to is just something i, I wish i had and I'm, I'm it just makes me happy to know that it's there because i didn't yeah. know that that it was there and um i don't yeah. think it's like like expansive Mm. but there are there are like toronto i know that there are toronto support groups ontario support groups for young people with any kind of cancer i was actually in a support group with someone that had testicular cancer um so they do exist but it was like there was like one place i had them and it was like oh, we start a session every like three months. So if you miss the entry date, then you have to like wait for the next one. And we only do it every like, you know, because there's only so many young people, I guess, that are getting diagnosed. Like the need isn't necessarily there for it as much. But um, but yeah, there I found one. <laughs> and then there was some, I don't know, I wonder if it would be the same for testicular cancer, but there was like a, a really great breast cancer Facebook group for women I think like under 45 or something. Yeah. So that was um, super helpful. But yeah, yeah. I, I definitely don't think it's there in like the, the size that maybe it should be. Yeah. And even just, it's just crazy that they just don't give you anything in the hospital. Like, yeah. No therapist. They didn't give me yeah. any, yeah, they didn't give me any, anything. Like we only found out about 
support groups locally because of Avery's therapist Mm. at the time. She was like, oh, she was very like connected in the breast cancer world because she had it when she was younger. And uh, she was on that, like gave us all the resources. So Mm. if we didn't have that connection, like I would have maybe not found them, you know, unless I really looked myself. So. I mean, it's so true what you're saying, though, about, like, we do, we we always make something to complain about. And, like, even throughout the process of, like, our health journey, there was, you know, a lot of, like, tensions and, and hard times with doctors. And, but it is true that the nurses really do save your souls. And we don't give those people enough credit. We should, we should bring someone on uh, and a nurse and a nurse yeah and i yeah. think that'd be really interesting just be like how do you do it yeah how do they do Your it life you know is hard <laughs> yeah yeah but it's it's really what you said is so true and it is really it makes me feel grateful of those people who were there for us mm-hmm. and who choose to be there for you yeah and do it every day even though it's really not it's not easy yeah it's it's a lot of weight like to like have and you have to like almost like switch out that weight and like uh, if you're in the hospital for like a, a certain period of time, like you you build a relationship with with these people, you know, like it's it's kind of hard not to <laughs> when yeah. when you're going through that sort of thing. And for them, it's like for well, so, well for you, it's like okay, you're in there for X amount of time, whether you're in there for two weeks or six months, and then you're gone. For them, they're building that relationship with eight people at a time over different sets of time. Sometimes they build that relationship, and then just like in shows and stuff, oh, where did this person go? Oh, they died. Or this person go, oh, oh, you know what? They got better. They went back to their family. You're never going to see them again. It's like, oh, okay. And it's like every day. Every day you have to like, it's this weight that you're like, okay, now I have the weight. Now I don't. Now I have the weight. Now I don't. And it's like, now there's three weights. And this weight is is here one day and then disappeared. And I lost it. And it's like this whole emotional roller coaster that they just sign up for because because they, they again they just give a fuck like <laughs> yeah basically yeah so what like do you know looking back i'm sure there's guys that are going to hear this and they're going to you know have a lot of questions and what like advice would you give to young guys you know like you mentioned that there was like a slight delay at the beginning but you know you acted pretty quickly on it and you didn't yeah. really wait like what what can guys look out for or should be aware of in this process that you feel might be worth noting. Um, I think just like prioritizing your your health. I think over over anything. Um, if you feel like something's wrong, go and fix it. If you feel like the doctor you went to isn't helping you fix it, go somewhere else because you're probably right. There, you know, God forbid, but there's probably something wrong with you. Whether it's oh a fertility issue, whether it's cancer, whether it's oh man, like you got this really bad case of acne, like whatever it is, like go and fix it. Like it's there for a reason. Like don't like, because it's free and because you can just like walk into any clinic and get this sort of help. Like you, you, you don't take it as seriously versus someone like, again, like in like America where it's like, okay, like, okay, this thing's wrong with me. Okay. I, I got to pull together. Okay. It's going to cost $3,000. Okay. I got to work, 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 work. Once I got that $3,000, okay, let, let me go, let me go into this hospital and get this thing done. It's not just, oh, I feel like this thing's wrong with me. I have a stomach ache. Let me just walk into the emergency room and they'll help me out. Like, and that's what it is in Canada. Like you just walk into the emergency room. It's like, I'd rather wait three hours for help than have to work, I don't know, 200 hours just to make enough money to like go into the emergency room. 
yeah. for whatever it might be. And then when I go into the emergency room, I might not even have made enough money to, to fix whatever I thought was wrong with me because it's something worse or it's something different that costs more or just has a different process or whatever it is. And I think just like take, take advantage be selfish with the process. Like I said, if it hurts a five, say it's eight, say it's nine. So like you get that, you know, you get that service because it's like, if you know underlyingly something's wrong with you, like, like just like do as much as you can. Like if you need to see a doctor, if, you know, if your parents are one of those people that say, oh no, you don't need doctors. You need to see this naturopath and do, the, you know, take the meds from the doctor, take the fruits from the naturopath, use all of it. <laughs> use everything use everything that you can to like help your situation like everything like and like take advantage of the people like if your friends are your friends they will let you take advantage of them in in, in those situations to say yo like bro like yeah i'm really d down right now like yo can you just sit for like 10 minutes and talk with me cool all right yo you can't do that all right like you know what that's cool but right right now like that's what i need like i'm gonna go ask so and so and if they're their friend be like, all right cool like no worries you know what i i got time tomorrow at this time like is does that work for you and being grateful you know what like yeah i can make that work because like i'm the one who i really need that um just yeah just taking advantage of of time and of resources and whether it's people or things and medicine and doctors and whatever just, just take advantage of it all everything that you can get your hands on to make yourself feel better mentally emotionally physically take it yeah like yeah. like give yourself permission to be selfish because yeah 100 percent. you're the only person that'll advocate for exactly. yourself exactly that's the advice i'd give in every situation where something is wrong <laughs> over anything yeah just take advantage of it all have you changed anything about your lifestyle based on like everything you went through everything you learned is there something you're doing now that's different than before i think intermittently i just like quit things like um like if it's something small, like, like, uh, like, oh, I don't, I'm not drinking pop for X amount of time. Um, and when I do that thing, being able to give myself grace, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing of anything, giving yourself grace to, 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 to kick a bad habit, giving yourself grace to get into a good one, mm -hmm. giving yourself grace to, to be sad for X amount of time, giving yourself grace to not consistently progress. Like you might not be progressing because you're not making any more money, but like you're progressing because you, you understand yourself more. Mm -hmm. Like and being able to acknowledge those different foundations of life like that 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 um that I, I may be going through and like like not shaming myself, saying, Man, like Brandon, you're still at this job. Brandon, you you, you still didn't make this thing successful brandon you're, you're in another relationship like what's going on bro like what like why can't why can't you why can't i work out for you you know and it's just like i, I think again just just giving yourself grace i think that's the, that's the biggest thing which I, I never used to do like if i failed at something i was like yo like brandon you fucking suck like talk myself <laughs> into the ground like but now now i'm just i'm just like i'm proud of the little things like i don't know like I chose not to eat that bag of chips. I only ate half. Only half the bag of chips. <laughs> Last year, I would have ate the whole bag of chips and I went and got another one too. <laughs> like, just small things like that. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and giving yourself grace and acknowledging those small changes, you'll, you'll, you'll see how much like happy you are with this like, just living life. Like you're just like alive. Like, so just like live like, you know, and, and 
the, the, the understanding of that, like, you know, like the, this, this physical thing is not necessarily going to get me what I thought it would, but you know what? I'm still going to strive for it because that's what I want. This emotional thing is maybe not going to get me where, where I think it's going to get me, but because it's what I want right now, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it and I'm going to fail. I'm going to go for it again until I get it. And just, again, just through every step of whatever you're doing, like while you're building a foundation, whilst you're, you're growing or scaling this, this thing, whether, you know, it's, it's, oh, I'm, I, I want to climb the corporate ladder. Oh, I want to start this business. Oh, I want to eat healthier. Oh, I want to start to go to the gym. You know, if, if I start to go to the gym for six months and then I cancel my membership, which has happened a couple of times, uh, <laughs> I will go back again and I will not say, oh, like I failed at the gym like three times. Now I'm not going back. It's not worth going back. It's always worth going back. It's always worth restarting. And the only way you'll be able to like get yourself in that mode is giving yourself the grace to, 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 to fail, to, 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 to plateau, to, um, uh, I don't know, to love someone, to, you know, to choose not to love someone, to, to, to burn a bridge or, you know, to rebuild a bridge. Like, like that, that's one of the things, big things, like I've, I've always said, like, I'm not always said that, that I've recently done, like uh, after um, going through cancer is like, like being able to acknowledge that you know what like like uh I'm, I'm not i'm not the type of person that says oh i'm this new person now i gotta burn all these bridges because these people aren't good for me i thought of it like okay this person like was a really good friend to me and you know what like you know we may have not had the best relationship or been the closest but but i would like to be you know like i, I want to build a bridge to this person and i want to let them know that and be explicit about it and i've done that with a couple of people and i and i think I think that's also another thing along with the, the giving yourself grace is just changing your perspective on things and, 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 and being able to like, let yourself like learn it, mm-hmm. you know, not, not again, I guess an, another just way to say giving yourself grace, giving yourself the grace to like learn something and, 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 and live through it until, until you get it, I guess. Yeah. I'm kind of rambling now, but yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. I think that's applicable to all of us. I think we all need a little bit more grace towards yeah. ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a nice note to end on. Unless you guys, do you feel there is something else you wanted to share or deep dive into? No, no. I think I think I think I talked a lot. <laughs> I think I think, we appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you guys uh, uh, doing this sort of thing. Because again, this is time out of your day that you're taking to like talk to me and, and and other people when when you really don't have to, you know, you could have these conversations intimately just between each other as friends, but you choose to like, you know, talk to like different people and, and people who are or strangers initially uh, about like such like deep things, and and you're putting your own like intimate feelings and and situations on on the platform and you know sharing them and not sharing them once sharing them again and again and again and and and, and, and i'm grateful and i just want to say thank you yeah. thank you yeah there was there was not there was no resources for young people and i think that's part of why you didn't like encounter that and no one gave it to you and i think that's part of just like why we all want to do this is that just mm-hmm. like we like i the first thing i did was go to a bookstore yeah to be like ha, like i was looking for literally like what's the boyfriend's guide for surviving breast cancer you know yeah. and there wasn't one yeah. and like there won't be until we all talk about the fact that like yeah there's young people who get cancer and go through you know who are their care partners and who go through this and we just wanted to 
open up that world and show that uh, people should talk about it. Yeah. And that it's not just a conversation for people with cancer or like immediate people beside the person with cancer. It's a larger conversation to be had within the community for us to be aware of like what people go through, what the processes are, like what are the things that are missing in our communities and how can we all participate in making that better? Like who's going to write that book? Like we got to, <laughs> someone's got to write the book about the boyfriend's guide to surviving cancer, but I started it, but I, I got to give myself grace to finish it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much. Yeah. I appreciate it.